Previously on the Spoken. I miss sports. I miss sports every single day. But looking at where we are now as a society and as a world, I'm glad we don't have sports to distract us from what needs our full attention. And it's this. All sports, all the time. Heroes and there's legends. Heroes get remembered. Legends never die. This is the Spoken Podcast. Hold your ears, folks. It's showtime. I'm your host, Lance Twidwell. Man, that kid, he can ball, man. He can ball. Touchdown, Kansas City! Patrick freaking Mahomes, baby! Uh, let's talk some sports, because that's what we're here to do. You are tuned in to the Spoken. Spoken. This is the Spoken Podcast. I am your host, Lance Twidwell, here inside the KCPN studios with my guy Trevor Twidwell. What's good? Eddie Ortiz, and Gad is on the ones and twos tonight. Episode 79, guys, coming at you guys. It's 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 been a um, needless to say a very trying week, but we're here. We're here to we're here to talk some sports, as you guys would imagine. That's what we normally do each and every single week. And whether you're watching the live stream, whether you're on YouTube or you're on the podcast side of things, thank you so much for being here with us tonight. As uh, we try to give you guys some sort of semblance in this crazy ass world that we live in currently at this time in the year of 2020, we got our guy Darren Smith coming in very, very shortly, guys. So please stay tuned for that because I am very much looking forward to hearing his thoughts on all things in the world of sports and in our society as a whole. But I came into tonight's show with uh, lights, light words, and a heavy heart. I'll be honest with all of you, uh, we have been doing this show for over a year and a half now, and I have loved and enjoyed every single episode, but this week for the first time, I, I didn't want to do this show. Not because I didn't want to talk sports with all of you, but because of everything that weighs heavier, that bears far more importance, what caused these athletes that we love and enjoy watching, praising and critiquing to make the decisions that they have made. And that's the continual <laughs> demonstration of racism and police brutality that people of color in our country continue to endure. It's beyond disheartening that I must start yet another episode of this show expressing my utter grief and disbelief that after everything, we're still right where we began with it all. No real change felt evident until the middle of this week when the remaining NBA teams and players decided to take control with their platforms and tell the owners, the sponsors, the NBA as a whole, the fans, all of us in general, that they are done until this shit is done. If you look at the bubble from the outside, you'd think that these players haven't made. From room service, to lush living quarters, to having your favorite pals around, to the golf courses and the fact that you're at freaking Disney World. But there's a large portion that continues to get overlooked when players like Paul George comes out and expresses something that is hard for most people, especially world-class male athletes, to express when it comes to struggling with mental health. And that's the isolation and separations from their loved ones. 
Most, if not all, of these players and coaches have children, wives, girlfriends, moms and dads, brothers and sisters that they left behind to finish their season, to fulfill their duties, and to entertain us. And although there is an equal sacrifice across the board, for some, the sacrifice runs much deeper, especially in the climate we're living in, pandemic aside. The NBA is a unique league in the fact that the majority of the comprise most of it is comprised of minorities. Despite the fact that black Americans only make up roughly 13% of America's population, over 74% of the NBA is made up of black athletes. Which means that the majority of these players aren't just leaving their families to play this game. They're leaving their trust to this society that with them around doesn't treat them and their family as equals. Therefore, creating an even higher level of anxiety and frustration, knowing that they can't be there to protect those that they love. We've heard black veteran players like George Hill express how they didn't want to be there to begin with. And this week, we saw the leaders of the league like LeBron and the Lakers, Kawhi and the Clippers, literally vote to end the entire damn thing. Obviously, it's great news that the league and the players came to a quick agreement. And as I stated in my Facebook Live video a couple of days ago, I expected these results to come quickly because we know at the end of the day, this is a business. But the players are telling us something and we need to listen. They're telling us that even though they understand that they took the risk to go into this bubble during a pandemic, their biggest worry and concern wasn't them and their families avoiding the virus known as COVID-19, but rather them and their families avoiding the disease known as racism. And when they continue to see that those like them, that look like them, that came from their same cities and neighborhoods be murdered and shot mercilessly in the streets while white terrorists are given waters and high fives by cops after literally going on homicidal sprees, all of a sudden, basketball doesn't seem all that important. Look, we're fans. And we went months without our sports, and that sucked. But I would gladly go through another year of no sports if it meant that we didn't have any distraction from the real problem at hand. I continue to see those that bitch and complain about these athletes raising their voices to speak out against racism and police brutality, claiming that it's doing no good. I wake up every morning at 6 a.m. and I always put on my favorite sports talk show on FS1 called First Things First. And it's usually to hear my guy Nick Wright and hear what he's thinking in regards to the hot topics in the world of sports. But today, I caught myself captivated by its co-host Kevin Wilds and what he said to people who think this way. And if we could, Gat, let's go ahead and play that video. So what we know, and this goes back to Kaepernick that changed the tenor of policing um, reform around the country. And this is just, and there's countless, this is from American Progress, and there's lots, but I'm just going to illustrate a, a few 
to make my point. Sacramento City Council approved an inspector general to investigate police misconduct. Washington, D.C. passed legislation, bans the hiring of officers with a history of misconduct. New York City launched a database to track discipline cases. Utah's governor put a ban on chokeholds. Olympia, Washington now dispatches uh, crisis responders to nonviolent situations. So if anyone says, I don't know if any of those things happen without a change in attitude in the country that, of course, is built on uh, the backs of Bill Russell and Muhammad Ali, but most recently Colin Kaepernick. So I think those are, are things that we know that we can point to, that if you're in the comment section, these are real things that are happening, and that's why these protests matter. The other part of this is a little bit more of a, a creative uh, thinking exercise. And you're not going to hear anything like this in any other sports show. And it's going to be a little bit weird, but it, I trust you. Trust me, if, if you get through this next two minutes story, Nick, and I'll use you as a barometer, I think it will help view the, put the protests in a historical sense. Because right now, I said yesterday that these protests were making history, but we're right there. We're, we're, we're 24 hours later. We, we, we're too close to it. We don't know what it is. And Stephen Johnson wrote a great book. It's called How We Got to Now. And he has this chapter on clean. And this is where, this is, you got to follow me here. Chapter on clean describes a cholera outbreak in London. And a guy named Jon Snow, not Jon Snow from Game of Thrones, just a guy named Jon Throw, Jon Snow. Everybody thought it was in the air. Jon Snow did some research, was the first uh, epidemiologist, said, you know what, it's not in the air, it's in, it's in water. And he traced it to a water pump and basically solved cholera and helped propel germ theory and made clean drinking water the foundation of health. From there, people are like, all right, how do we get clean drinking water? How do we kill bacteria in the water? Okay, we get chlorine. Once you got chlorine, you know what you can get? Swimming pools. And then there's a bunch of swimming pools. There, you, there, you didn't have swimming pools. They're called moats. We get a bunch of swimming pools. There's a drought in California. And get Tony Hawk's walking by and said, oh, that swimming pool's drained because there's a drought. I'm going to skateboard in it. So it's a long way of saying the guy who discovered cholera and cured cholera also, in a way, made Tony Hawk skateboard. So the reason why I tell this story is this. We saw a historic moment yesterday, but you have no way of knowing how that historic moment is going to reverberate through history. That's exactly right. Unless you can tell me exactly what right. my son is going to be in, in 50 years. When we're looking at the TV and says, Dad, why does it say I'm a man? Why does it say education reform? Why does it say say your name? And he's six years old. So unless you can tell me what my son is going to be like and how his life is changing in 60 years old, you can't say that these protests are not doing anything. There's specific legislation happening, and the future is brighter because of what the NBA players did yesterday. We may not see the change in our lifetime. We may not get the pleasure of seeing the results, but I promise you, those changes those results will come if we rally with these athletes. If we utilize our platforms, our voices in the pursuit to see our world show love to all people, to all races, 
This NBA bubble and how the players have utilized it isn't just providing us with the sports we love and an adequate distraction from the shitty parts of life. It has and will provide our society with a legitimate chance to a better way of life for those that have suffered from the racial inequality that has reigned supreme in our law enforcement and society as a whole for centuries. We have to understand that these athletes are not our entertainment. They are human beings and many of them have to endure or see others that come from their same neighborhoods live in a reality that should not be anyone's reality and they're fed up. This is how change occurs. I had someone accuse me of trying to anger and divide people with my approach. I responded by saying that if my approach to raise awareness, demand from our country and society by combating racism and police brutality angers anyone, that's on them, not me. I'm sure that I have angered many people, even with my general sports takes. So I am certain of it that I have enraged many with my takes on real life issues and tragedies. And here's the thing. I don't give a shit. I will gladly upset each and every racist out there with my message and my stance. I don't like the thought of losing you as a viewer or a listener. But I cannot and will not hold back and be silent in the hopes of keeping those that do not want to see positive change and reform in any way with police to do their jobs and our society to function as a whole. I won't do it. So if this is your last time with us, I hope that I leave you with a clear and unfiltered message of truth and unity and that you know that, they, that here at The Spoken, we stand with those that fight for equality and justice. And I'm going to leave it there. We got Darren Smith from 810 WHB's The Ship about to join us, guys. And I cannot, I cannot stress it enough how excited I am to get my dude's thoughts. Cannot wait. We're going to take a quick break when we get back to that. My guy Darren's about to drop some knowledge. We'll get back to that after this.
Once I get a piece of the action, feeling satisfaction from the street crowd reaction. Chumps pull guns when they feel afraid. Too late when they dip in the kick, they get sprayed. Lemonade was a popular drink and it still is. I get more props and stunts than Bruce Willis. A poet like Langston Hughes and can't lose when I cruise. Out on the expressway, leaving the bodega, I say suave. Premier's got more beats than blondes got hate. Clips are inserted into my gun, so I can take the money, never have to run. To run. Hold up, son. Word. Yeah. To all the killers and Back at it again on the Spoken Podcast. I am your host, Lance Twidwell, here inside the KCPN studios. With my guy, Trevor Twidwell. What's good? Mr. Eddie Ortiz will be joining us very moment, very soon, I should say. Uh, Gats in the back, uh, working on the ones and twos, making this thing possible. We always appreciate everything she does for us, clearly. We have ourselves... Um, the I would say I mean it's safe to say he is our most regular guest here, and it's no it's no mystery as to why because this guy um, is is an absolute uh, professional, and we appreciate everything he does not just when he's on this show, but because of what he does on his show and what he does in this community, raising the awareness that he does as a, as a man I, I believe a man with a powerful voice and an opinion that we uh, we definitely appreciate here in Kansas City, and we're very lucky to have him. Uh, Darren Darren Smith from the ship of WH, uh, 810WHB. How are we doing tonight, my friend?
Yeah, I mean, I think, I think in life as I'm getting older, I'm realizing that even the people that you, you care about the most, you agree you agree with mostly, you're always going to find that one thing that you're not going to align with. And I think that's where we're at, man, after the episode that we had dedicated to MJ and LeBron, which, by the way, I think we can have ourselves another one of those once LeBron wins his fourth ring in the bubble. Well, no, I, I do I do have the favorite to win, to win, but I do want to say uh, Eddie Ortiz is saying that there's no audio coming across online, so... Okay. You might want to check yeah. on that. We'll get, we'll get that situated right right now, actually. But, um, Darren, if it's all right with you, man, uh, I, I'd like to begin right in the bubble. Uh, this week, sure. it has been about it's been about anything but basketball. Ironically, uh, the players decided to use their power and platform and demand change. Uh, now that we know that adequate changes are on the horizon due to the players that are taking action, what are your thoughts as a whole over these last few days and how this has all really come about? Well, to me, it was only a matter of time uh, before the Milwaukee Bucks were going to do something, respond in some kind of way. Obviously, when the incident took place over the weekend, uh, they had played a game right afterwards, and George Hill wasn't really, you know, he his his mind wasn't there. Even though, even though they had won the game, his mind wasn't there. And uh, uh, but. You know, I stand in solidarity. I mean, I, there's no there, there's no doubt on the direction that I take. Uh, what's interesting is that obviously Wednesday, when all this went down, we were this uh, before this went down. We were speaking with uh, head coach Andy Reid, uh, a couple of uh, Eric Fisher, and then we, uh, about an hour or so later, we had uh, Chiefs President Mark Donovan. So I had a number of questions that I tossed out in his direction, not knowing what was going to take place with the Milwaukee Bucks, if I had, I probably would have, you know, threw a few extra questions and they probably would have got mad at me since I asked four questions instead of one or two. Um, but all that being said, no, I'm, I'm in total solidarity uh, in what they did and how uh, the, the only, the, the, the only thing I would probably disagree with is the fact that they didn't like kind of let the other players know. I think, I think according to, reports if they were going to do any type of boycott or anything they were going to do it as a collective universes just them not coming out the last you know last four minutes uh before the game started and then you know things get canceled so uh outside of that because you know they you are much stronger as a unit than as an individual uh but outside of that you know i'm you know i don't disagree with the manner in which they did i'm all for protests i'm all for you know making a stand and, and using your platform to do just that and uh i mean i'm i you know look i'll talk obviously more about it on sunday uh on my show but yeah I, i'm definitely definitely uh appreciative of what the players did and of course you know i did talk about it uh well i did get a question in with uh with chief's office coordinator eric Bieniemy as well as frank clark about this stuff and so i mean it, it's let me let me just say this you know people People chime in, especially if they, they claim to be Kansas City Chiefs fans, and it's interesting how, uh, you know, you, you're a Chiefs fan when they're winning. And, yeah, you can be a Chiefs fan even when they're losing, but, you know, but you become fair with it. Now, I've always admitted I've, I've never been a Chiefs fan. I like the players, but I've never been a fan because I try to, you know, separate that line of, you know, when I cover the team and what I have to talk about them. If I have to be critical of them, I don't want, you know, I don't want people to think, oh, well, you're just blasting. No, I don't do it that way. Um but you know, but look, they got a, they got a lot of good players, and they got a lot of good guys. I mean, just really good, solid guys, both on the field and off the field. And uh, you know, it, it it kills me because 
you know, throughout this whole ordeal since George Floyd, you know, uh, his murder uh, at the hands of the cop in, 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 in Minneapolis and, you know, Patrick Mahomes with the Black Lives Matter, he and Tyron uh, Matthew, you know, being in the video, you know, when I go to post things up uh, that are Chiefs related, but also maybe social social justice related, you know, seeing the comments that people make on our A10 sports page. And then just if you go look at their uh, uh, Twitter uh, handles and stuff like that, you, you know, you get an idea. Uh, well, were you really fans? Or are you really just fans of the uniform and not the players? And if so, you would have a sense of, of empathy, which is what a lot of people don't seem to have. And when when you don't have empathy, it's hard for you to imagine you being in that same situation that we find ourselves in. And um, so, so all that being said, you know, it's uh, I, I'm I'm glad that the players did what they did, and I actually. Uh, like the fact that when I when I when I put those questions out there, whether it's to Andy Reid, Patrick, Tyron, and even Mark Donovan, they might not, they may not answer in the in the manner that I would hope a lot of or sometimes not all the time, but sometimes, but they don't shy away from it, and and they you know and uh, we're looking to get well Clark Hunt is supposed to address the media tomorrow, so. Let's just say I got I got a I got a number of questions and we'll see whether if if I get called on then you know it'll trust me I tell you it'll be newsworthy just like Mark Donovan announcing when I asked him the question he's gonna they're trying to get Arrowhead Stadium to be a polling location so you know you never know when I'm when I get a chance to ask a question generally news will be made absolutely well now that we've seen the NBA uh, MLB at least certain teams uh, of the MLS the WNBA and the NHL stand in unison by boycotting games. You know, talking about the NFL and talking about the Chiefs in particular, do you expect to see teams now that we're 13, game, 13 days away from, from the season actually kicking off? Do you see NFL teams following suit, or will the NFL be proactive and get on the same page with the NFL Players Association and be on, and be on and as an aid in moving uh, society in a positive direction? It's never a bad time to do the right thing. Uh, so, I, and I say that as a preface that I kind of wish the Bucks wouldn't have done. I wish they would have waited. But of course, you know, we didn't know the situation was going to happen. Had this happened two weeks from now, opening weekend, I think a lot of that. I, I, I know for a fact if the Milwaukee Bucks would have done this on a Wednesday, uh, the day before, like September 9th, and the Chiefs played on that on the 10th against the Texans, that game wouldn't have been played. Now, uh, I say that to say because people were kind of wondering about my post that I did. Even even Frank Clark addressed to me today when someone asked him, and, and I know they asked him based off of my post, but I was glad he didn't respond because the thing is, you're not gonna re- they're not going to reveal their hand th- you know 13 days before before kickoff on what they plan on doing. So you know, so that way they can get you know people start. Um, uh, sounding off on Facebook and Twitter and things like that. So the fact that uh, what they what they plan on doing is not announced, and you know the only thing that's been announced uh, thus far is that the coaching staff is in solidarity with whatever the players do and that they'll, that they'll join in and whatever they do, whether it's kneel or go back to the locker room and you know change clothes and boycott. You know they're all in. So. That's the one good thing that I can say, and that, and that's dealing with the Chiefs and, and the Texans. I'm not, you know, I'm not making any comment as it relates about the rest of the league because there is there, there is conversations. You know, Russell Wilson has stated that you know if if they were to play this weekend, they wouldn't play. Um, 
uh, Saquon Barkley and a few others, a few prominent black superstars have talked about boycotting the, you know, the opening weekend. Now, those names haven't been revealed. That's coming from Jim Trotter at the NFL Network. Uh, but, you know, I've, I've heard that as well. So that's the only thing that I'll, I'll say. People can, you know, they can uh, defer from that what they want. Now, on the sports side of things, we, we know that the players in the bubble have agreed to resume play this weekend. Uh, I think it's safe to assume that the, the Lakers and Bucks will advance past the Blazers and Magic. But the Not other <laughs> but it's safe to say. Uh, but the other remaining series have some serious intrigue. How do you see the series not involving the one seed shaken out? Well, I think I, I think um Boston Boston and Miami, is that correct? That they've already advanced uh, I I need to pull up the schedule right now. No, you're correct you... about that. Boston's okay. playing the Raptors, I believe. Yeah, and so um, let me. I'm sorry. Let me. <clears throat> I have to get the get the get the schedule out in front of me. So looking at it, uh, what you got? Orlando, Milwaukee, and the good thing is they those games have just officially been postponed, not not canceled. So they so it's still a three one lead for Milwaukee. Uh, look, the Oklahoma City Houston game. Oklahoma City really really impressed me uh, on the other uh, the other night uh, with that you know with the play behind. Uh, Chris Paul and a few others to you know lead that team and to hold off the Houston Rockets. Now they now they say that Russell Wells, uh, Russell Westbrook is uh, has been explosive and he should be he should be coming back. I would imagine for Saturday's game. So uh, that that could be a deciding factor if he if he comes back and play in game number five. Then I like Houston to win this series. I mean there there's an outside chance that Oklahoma City can can upset him if Russell Westbrook uh, uh, isn't playing. Obviously, you know, again, I, you know, I think I like the Lakers. Uh, Milwaukee, they should be able to sweep out. Or, I'm sorry, they should be able to close out Orlando. Uh, when we look at Sunday's game, game number one, Boston at the Raptors. Uh, I like that game. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep. Now, wait a second. Now, hold on. Now, now, maybe I'm tripping. I could have, man, okay, you know what? I don't even smoke weed, but I'm sitting there thinking, like, for, for, for some reason, I don't, I don't know why, for some reason, I thought Miami advanced, but, okay, I, I guess they didn't. I thought Miami advanced. But... No, they, they swept I the Pacers. I, they got one more game. I thought they swept the Pacers. I could have sworn they swept them. Yeah, yeah they swept the Pacers 4 yeah. up. Okay, yeah, oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, oh, okay, 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 okay. Okay, yeah, okay, Rockets so because close, they, though. okay, okay, yeah, okay, they, okay, so they're just sitting around waiting, okay, they're I'm waiting. trying to figure out, like, I'm like, well, who, who are they, who are they facing, okay. They'll be, they'll be facing the Bucks, Bucks I believe, yeah. yeah. Okay, okay, see, I'm not, I'm not, I'm, I don't even smoke weed in them high. Uh, <laughs> Maybe you do, I don't know. Uh, yeah, no exactly. judgments here, man, no yeah, judgments. Just don't test it. Okay, so, okay, okay, so now, now that I'm, now that I'm back down to reality, uh, I, I like, man, look, to be honest, that, that Boston-Toronto series is going to be good, because Nick Nurse, hell of a coach. Man, I mean the, the fact the fact uh the fact that the Raptors have made it this far, you know, without Kawhi and they they pretty much obviously the number two seed, but I, I could I I think I'm about to go with the Raptors in that series. Um I look I was really hoping that Dallas was gonna upset uh uh the late, uh the Clippers. Now I will say this the, the one thing that they that they have that they approved to me is that Luka Doncic, that's a bad man Amen. and I like him so uh, so Sunday, uh, of course, we'll be playing that game on eight ten. So I am going to be rushing home as soon as I get off the air uh, to watch to watch uh, watch what well, could be the closeout game or or watching the Mavericks try to force it to a game game seven. And Utah, Utah, and Denver. I expect uh, Denver to win that game. I expect it to go to seven games, and uh, you know, and and I think. Ugh. 
Man, we might I'll have to come back on that one. That's the uh, best series, I think, so far in the playoffs. That's the yeah, I, I, Jazz and Nuggets. It's been unbelievable. Yeah, I, I mean, the fact that their star players have been going back and forth with 50-point games against each other in the same game, uh, I, I think Utah will still pull it out. I just think it'll go seven games. And, and I think when I made my prediction, I had this game. I had this, this series going seven games, so that's where I'm at. Darren, we, I already mentioned it, but I'm going to say it again. We are literally 13 days away from the <laughs> NFL season. Starting. I mean, it doesn't feel right. Um, and it obviously starts here in Kansas City as the Texans come to face the Chiefs on Thursday night football on September 10th. Correct. Give me, and I know I know you have your show, so I'm trying to honor this as much as possible. I know you don't want to give away too much material. I suggest, I, I highly suggest everybody listens to Darren on Sunday for sure. And I want, I want you to plug your show as much as you possibly can while you're here with us. Give me, though, some of your early thoughts and your predictions, if you can, for this game. Oh, well, I mean... Oh man, I almost cussed. Uh, <laughs> Don't do it, man. Hey, go do ahead. it. No, I man, mean I'll, it's again. I've, the shit, man. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I did. You know, look. I asked Patrick in a press in, in a presser last weekend. Uh, I think it was last Sunday. Which, to be honest, man, it, it's hard for me to credibly, if this team can stay healthy, it's hard for me to see a team knocking them off this year. Uh, because now look, how they you know people talking about where they lost a couple of games last year when Patrick was playing. Patrick was hurt uh, a, a lot of times last year because he got you know he got he got injured. He he injured his ankle in the first game of the season, and of course Tyreek was out with the with the sternum with the chest injury uh, against Jacksonville. And so yeah, while while he might have still been playing, he wasn't hundred percent. Right now he is, and uh, you know Pat, uh, Tyreek is back. I think Sammy is back as well. If this team can stay healthy. And the defense, and people keep forgetting, this defense has a year underneath Spags in that defense, and so, and, and so obviously they picked up, they picked up the pace, they picked up their uh, their assignments as the season uh, wore on. You know, the last six games, I think they were pretty much healthy outside of Thornhill uh, going going into the playoffs, and you know they were the best team defensively uh, 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 on their on their run to the Super Bowl. If the defense can cannot uh, if the defense can keep from falling behind or you know or giving up big plays right away, it to me it's I mean it's a no brainer that I have Kansas City winning winning the season opener. But record wise, man, I'm still man, I'm trying to go 19 and 0, man. But it, 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 it's <laughs> seriously no, it's I mean tempting, no seriously, huh? it's, it's tempting. Not, well, no, it's not a matter of being tempted because I mean I, I you know because I felt the same way last year. I mean the people you know people kind of ragged on me, but. I mean, if you, you know, seriously, if if you look at it, I mean, and I'm going to be honest, so I'm going to just, because I got, I got it in front of me. It was hard for me to say, okay, if this team is healthy. One, Jacksonville. Now, I didn't know Baltimore was going to be, I didn't know Baltimore was going to be Baltimore that we saw. So that, you know, that was a tough game. And, and we, you know, we ended up pulling it out. I didn't think the Detroit Lions game, I didn't think that game was going to go down. Now, that's where kind of the chink in the armor was because they were giving up a lot of points or they were giving up a lot of yards on the ground on the run game. Then, of course, the next two games, uh, Indianapolis game. and Houston, yeah, you know. Yeah. So, uh, And then, of course, Patrick, even though we won that game, he got injured, I think, in the first half, first quarter mm-hmm. of the game. And, you know, I mean, so it was, you know, those, those type of things you just didn't expect to happen. Again, I tell people all the time. Patrick has yet to lose a game as a starter uh, by more than a touchdown. So, so the Chiefs are always in the ball game. So, unless and until they get blown out, it, 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 again, I asked Patrick to credibly explain to me why I shouldn't, you know, why I shouldn't pick them to go nineteen and zero. I, you know, I mean, you know, he 
he doesn't think that it's uh, that it's impossible. But you know, he's he, he's obviously not going to put himself out there, put the team out there. But again, man, it's hard for me. It's, it's just hard for me because when I look at the schedule, you know, you get up Houston. Nobody expecting a lot from from from, uh, from the Chargers. I mean, Baltimore, that's going to be a dogfight, you know, but they're not going to have any. I don't think they're going to, I think they may have 7,500 fans at that game, but, you know, the Patriots, Vegas, you know, Vegas Raiders coming in. You know, when you look at the schedule, you know, the, the hardest games that you see on paper that they could lose, obviously, would be Tampa Bay, excuse me, New Orleans. Uh, yeah, I know people, people are saying a lot about Denver. I just don't see it, but, uh, and, you know, maybe, maybe Buffalo, and of course, uh, Baltimore. So, I mean, you could easily, I, you know, I could say to to be safe and be conservative, I could say twelve and four, but I'm thinking more of fourteen and two ish, you know. If not, and, and I'm just gonna say fourteen and two uh, for now because I might change my mind, you know. <laughs> stay tuned, right? Yeah, stay tuned. Stay tuned on Sunday, but not, but no, no, not, not this, not to say it'll be the following Sunday. The following Sunday, fair enough. Well, uh, for both Sundays coming up, I, I know you're gonna probably try to. You know, withdraw on this question, but I'm going to ask it anyway, Darren. <laughs> Who's winning the Super Bowl this year and why? Oh, come on. Now, if I had the Chiefs going 19 and 0, <laughs> by that very definition, they're, they're going to win the Super Bowl. That's I mean, that's enough. again, that, that's that's why I had them going 19 and 0 last year because it was hard for me seeing, seeing, seeing what the team point wise and what they were doing. I figured the defense had to have been better. Um, you know, it was hard for me, for me not for them to not go, uh, you know, 16 and 0 or, or 19 and 0. Again, to me, whether they go nineteen and zero or fourteen and two, as long as they win the Super Bowl, you know the the ends justify the means. So, um, so yeah, I mean that's um, so. I, but uh, I don't know if I said it, but I do have them beating Tampa Bay in the Super Bowl. Just Very nice. All right, the match the matchup is important. I want to, and I think the storyline would be rich if if the Chiefs ended up getting themselves a Tom Brady Patrick Mahomes type of matchup. I think that'd be incredible to see, but. Uh, final question for you tonight, Darren. And again, man, I, I can't put it into words how much we appreciate you being here uh, as many times as you have been and always giving us uh, the time and, and your energy, quite frankly, because I know you, you have a, a a hell of a toll to take on every day with your schedule and you always seem to make time <laughs> for us. So we do appreciate you, man, really. Not a problem. And because you are such a, a conscientious individual and, and I sincerely uh, respect and appreciate your viewpoints on issues in our country and in our society, I want to keep our tradition uh, whenever you're on the show and, and give you the final say and allow you the platform to speak your heart and mind on anything that you'd like to speak on sports related, society related, whatever it is, Darren, the, the floor is yours, my brother. Well, one, I appreciate the opportunity again to uh, speak with you all uh, as well as uh, your audience. My thing is simple, man. You know, one, these athletes are not, your toys, you know, I mean, they're not your, you know, they're not your slaves, so to speak. You know, when people talk about, well, keep, keep politics out of sports. Well, you tell your president to keep sports out of his mouth and then perhaps the players will keep politics out of theirs. Uh, but until that happens and we know that's not going to happen, uh, you know, it, it is what it is. You know, look, these players, just because they make a lot of money and, and, and everybody doesn't make Patrick Mahomes, Frank Clark, Chris Jones type money. You know, I mean, there are players, yeah. Compared to what you and I make, yeah, they, they still make a lot of money, even if you're 53 on uh, 53rd men on the roster. But at the end of the day, is they are still human beings. They still live in the same world that we live in. You know, they you know they they may live in a different zip code, but 
or different yeah di- different zip code but at the end of the day they still face the same problems that we face and here's a question that i'm you know i i, I really hate to pose this question on here because it's a question i'm gonna ask clark kind of if i get a chance but if patrick mahomes wasn't your quarterback would you care you know, would you care about Patrick Mahomes? Because, you know, he's a half a billion dollar investment. And what I, you know, my question that I would ask Clark Hunt is, would you, are you willing to use your your influence, your political power, whether you're in Texas or Kansas City, picking up the phone to help make systemic and legislative changes, um, you know, saying that that, that, that helps uh, African-American or, you know, help these players out for, for the reason why they're protesting? Because, you know, you can root, cheer, hoop, and holler all you want, but Jacob Blake, George Floyd, that could easily be Patrick Mahomes, Frank Clark, Tyreek Hill. And then what would you say? That's all I got to say. Uh, that, is, that is about as good of a question I, as I can imagine Clark Hunt could ever be asked, man. And I, I really hope you get the opportunity to present <laughs> right. that question because I would be very so, interested to know the answer. Somebody will try to steal it, trust me. <laughs> well, we have it on video here, so you're the first, okay? There's video evidence that you asked the question, you posed the question first. So we'll, we'll definitely back you up on that for sure. But that is our guy, Darren Smith, uh, from Fox Sports, KLKC Radio and Sports Radio 810 WHB from the ship. I'm telling you guys, you, you want authentic, real conversation, not just in the world of sports, but in society, this is the man you want to be following. I'm telling you guys, you can friend him on Facebook, Darren Smith. You can follow him on Instagram and Twitter, Darren Smith, WHB. Regardless of how you want to follow him, following him is a must. And and again, I believe this is the seventh time now Darren's been so. I lost count. Yeah, it's like one every ten episodes. Darren's with us, and trust me when I say I wish I could have him every single night. But that would just be selfish of us because the world needs him just as bad as we do here at the Spoken Podcast. So again, Darren, with all sincerity, my friend, thank you so much for being here and taking the time to to help us uh, raise the awareness that is absolutely needed in our society, not just in Kansas City, but in our world, man. And I, and I really believe more people like you. If we get more people like you in this world, we're going to get there a lot quicker than we should, man. So again. I really, really appreciate you being here, my man. Again, and, and you know, like I've always told you anytime, you know, I, I mean, I've said that and you see I'm here. So <laughs> uh, anytime, look, I mean, we still in quarantine and stuff like that. So, um, you know, I, I'm nothing but a Zoom, Zoom call away. I mean, Absolutely. So, and so I appreciate the opportunity again to speak with you all and, and uh, speak to your audience. And so, uh, again, if people can tune in. On Sunday from uh, 12 noon to 2 p.m. And just 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 the audience know, uh, I'll be on at that time the next two weeks. And then, of course, with NFL football starting, uh, I'll be starting back on ESPN Kansas City from three to five, uh, two hours a day, Monday through Friday. But it'll start September 8th, I believe. I think the day after Labor Day. And we haven't figured out the nighttime part uh, because we because again with the NBA now resuming. Uh, the playoffs we're going to be playing NBA playoffs. We got Friday night football for high school. We got Monday and Thursday nights. I can still do Monday and Thursday nights if I choose to, but trying to get more of a set time versus maybe getting on at ten forty-five, eleven o'clock, and only being on for an hour or two hours. Because I don't want to. I don't want to stay on till one o'clock in the morning because I don't want to keep the person on the board out that late. And you know, I don't like being up that late for real. So. <laughs> Who would? Man, uh, but, but but all that being said, again, I say all that to say that I appreciate the opportunity. To, uh, speak with you all and you know we'll do it again real soon as, of course absolutely it's our pleasure man that's darren smith guys follow our guy uh you will not regret it i promise you that so 
Appreciate Darren for being here. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. When we get back, it's the Eddie Hour. Cannot wait to get to Eddie's thoughts and his opinions, or rather his questions, and to hear what Trevor and I have to say about him because I have no idea what he's about to ask us. We'll get back to that after this. Get it again on the Spoken Podcast for segment number three. I'm your host, Lance Twidwell, here inside the KCPN studios with my guys, Trevor Twidwell. What's good? Eddie Ortiz. Yo, yo, yo. And the one and only Miss Gad on the ones and twos. We just had our guy, Darren Smith, from WHB 810 Sports Radio on the ship. Um, needless to say, I, I absolutely love when Darren's on here with us, man, because I always feel like we have such a... I always feel like I learned something. That's what I love, is that when we have guests on here and I always feel like I take something out of the conversation, that's when I know that we have a productive conversation. Uh, he can tell us things that we we will never know. And I and I really do sincerely appreciate his time. And I, if you missed that on the live stream, it will be on YouTube at the Kansas City Podcast Network page, or rather on YouTube account. Go ahead and subscribe to that. And if you're a podcaster, uh, definitely hit us up on the Spoken Podcast and KCPN, Kansas City Podcast Network. On all podcast platforms, you'll find us there. You definitely want to go and check that interview out, or that segment, rather. But it is now time for our guy, Eddie Ortiz, Mr. Yo-Yo-Yo himself. We're going to get his brain, his questions, what he wants to get uh, us to react to, or how we're going to react to it. See how many times he can get me triggered, because it seems to be something that he does on a weekly basis. So let's... Let's go I'll ahead and try. get to Eddie right now. What do you got for me, bro? All right, I'll try to get you guys triggered, but I don't think I don't think this is the week. Mm. We'll see. We'll no see. The, we'll no see if the streak continues. Yeah. All right. First question. We're gonna go right back into the NBA. Uh, we saw not Janice, but Giannis. There you go. Uh, Antetokounmpo. Uh, he was named Defensive Player of the Year. My question to you guys is: Will he also win MVP of the season? Yes. Um. I wish you would ask me, do I agree with it? Do you agree there with it? There you go. Okay. Oh, Thank you for asking the question. It. I didn't want to answer a question you didn't ask. <laughs> um, yes, he will. He will win. Um, and he'll be one of, I think he's the, he'll be the first player to win Defensive Player of the Year and MVP since Michael Jordan. Um, does, he, does he deserve MVP in my opinion? I, I don't believe that. Uh, I, do, I think that uh, Milwaukee's been a, a great team this season. Uh, they've been dominating their opponents before bu- the bubble, I should say. And Giannis, is, his stat lines are unbelievable, and he, he does it in such a short amount of time. But if we're really going to sit here and continue to convince ourselves that he is more valuable as an individual player than LeBron James, that's just absolutely absurd. Um, we, we know how this goes each and every year. You know, They'll select a Derrick Rose. They'll select a Kevin Durant. They'll select a Steph Curry twice. They'll select James Harden. But each and every time, we see how LeBron James can lift teams further than any other player in the NBA can. Uh, I'm not saying that LeBron had the best season. No, that was Giannis. That was James Harden. Those guys had better statistical seasons than LeBron, even though he led the league in assists in year 17 while averaging 25 a game. They still had better statistical seasons, so I think that we get it misconstrued where the MVP gives, is given to the best player of the year. That's not how it goes. It should be based on value. There is no question LeBron is the most valuable player in the year, in the season, year in, year out. So he will win it. 
I don't think he deserved it. Defensive, defensive player of the year, I'm not going to debate. I think Giannis is probably the best defensive player in the league, and he showed that how versatile he was and how valuable he was on the defensive side this season. You want to make an argument for uh, uh, you know, uh, Anthony Davis? Go ahead. I'm, I would I would have selected, if I had a vote for defensive player of the year, I would have given it to Giannis. Yeah, I think he's well-deserving of the, the defensive player of the year. Um, as far as MVP goes, I mean, even if he gets it, I think it's deserved as well. I just think LeBron deserves it more. I'm not going to sit here and say he didn't deserve the MVP if he gets it because he's obviously obviously was the best player in the NBA overall this year as far as both sides of the floor, you know, and leading in the team with the best record in the NBA. Um, so, yeah, I mean, like, like I'll echo the sentiments of Lance with, with LeBron. I think LeBron is the most valuable. You go by, you know, the success of – the team with with and without you, and nobody has has much of an impact in the game for their team than LeBron James does. Uh, you can talk about the stats all you want when they're playing. Yeah, Giannis had accumulated better stats this year. That's fine, but the impact, the PR, all these things, a lot of the analytics, you can look into all that. I just I go by what I watch. I watch a lot of basketball, and you can just see it when LeBron is on and off the floor. You can you, we've even seen it in the bubble when LeBron is on and off on the floor in these these postseason games against the Blazers. You know, you, you the presence is the lack of presence when he's not on the floor is, is it's it's an eyesore a lot of times for the Lakers. So the impact is there. I think LeBron's the most valuable player. Giannis, if he gets MVP, I'm happy for him, man. I would love I would outside of LeBron, I would love to see Giannis get both awards and and have that on his resume because the kids worked tirelessly and put on pounds and pounds of muscle since he's entered the league because he was a scrawny little dude. When he first entered this league, he was always a gifted, but he needed to put on size, and he's done nothing but work his ass off for a Milwaukee team who's never had success since the early 60s, you know, late 60s, uh, since Kareem was there. It was the last time they were really a successful franchise. So him, you know, doing that, revitalizing himself, changing his body, becoming a man, putting up the numbers that he put up this year to improve on his MVP season from last year is absolutely insane. So I support either way, but my MVP definitely is LeBron. I believe it's pronounced Miliwake, which means <laughs> Her <no> good land. <laughs> I'm sorry about that. Uh, I lost the, uh, the question. I lost the segment. Did you? Oh. The segment of our life. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Now we're going to go into uh, NFL, actually. Um Oh, no, actually, we'll go back to the NBA. All right. We'll go back to the Eddie's NBA. Eddie's bouncing all over the place, oh, yeah. man. Jeez. Give it to me. All right. Uh, Jamal Murray's performance, uh, performance with the Nuggets, will he maintain the rhythm after this small break that we've had? Man, it's it's so hard to say uh, because although Jamal Murray's always been a really good player and he's gotten better and better as his career's – I think he's only been in the league, what, three four years? Yeah, it's his third year, I believe. Yeah, and he's I think he's obviously putting himself now in the upper echelon of young budding superstars in this league. I, I'm not saying – I don't want to say that prematurely. Sure. Trevor and I were watching these games this last week, and, I, and I'm like, this kid simply cannot be stopped. Him and Donovan Mitchell, I think, are on the same tier. I think they are on the exact same tier. Yeah. Right below, I mean, it's like razor thin, right below Luka Doncic. That series has been the most entertaining series. So, it's been so good. And yeah. because of the fact there's been such a layoff, I actually do think Jamal Murray can maintain this type of performance. I think it's because, not just because he's rested and he's young and he's you know excited, it's because this dude is so confident in himself. And the job that Quinn Snyder has done with that team 
to be able to, or was it not Quinn Snyder? It's, uh, Quinn Snyder's Utah. But I'm sorry, Michael Malone. Michael, I'm sorry, Michael Malone. Yeah, Quinn Snyder. Yeah, Michael Malone, what he's done with that team, giving Jamal Murray the opportunity. I mean, you heard in the interview when they were interviewing him on the sideline, and usually I can't stand those interviews, but Michael Malone said something. He's like, he, I'm letting him do what he wants to do out there. And he, and you can see it. He's free. That 360 layup was one of the sexiest things Unbelievable. I've ever seen in my life. Unbelievable. Actually, letting him play basketball. Yeah, he, yeah. He's just playing his game out yeah. there. And he, he, I'm not trying to, again, give he, too much praise on him. But there were flashes in that last game where he looked like Kobe Bryant. Like, you just well, couldn't stop what he was doing. Over, yeah. Fadeaway well, jump shots. Easy yeah, buckets. Him and Donovan like, Mitchell looked like Kobe and, and D-Wade going at it. It was unreal. Yeah. That's cool. great basketball. Like, that's the type of game you're going to look back in 15 years ago. I saw that game live. You know, remember in the finals when Kobe threw the alley-oop to Shaq and they yeah. won their first title together? That's the kind of moments I'm talking about. Like, in 10 years when these guys are still in the league playing great basketball... In their 30s, we're like, dude, I remember these guys matched up in 2020 when everything went to shit and these guys were giving us something to cheer on for. So to answer the question the longest way possible, yes. I am pro-Jamal Murray, and I think he's going to keep that up. And and to add to it, I think Donovan Mitchell will too. Yeah, I don't know who. I mean, I I had... When I first realized that that was going to be the matchup, I loved that matchup because two these two teams are so similar. Yeah. Outside of Jokic kind of being the outlier for the bigs because Gobert is not nearly the player that that Jokic is. But I love the matchup because... Jokic is definitely more offensive minded, and then Gobert is, you know, uh, uh, a defensive player of the year candidate, runner up almost, or winning it every year, the last three or four years. So um, the matchup is incredible. Uh, the guards play is incredible. The point guard play is incredible. Donovan Mitchell uh, um, has been, might be, might have been the, so far the best player in the bubble. Uh, he's right up there with James Harden as far as his numbers. What, two 50 point games? Uh, I mean, the kid's been incredible. Um, do I think Jamal Murray can keep his pace? Absolutely. I think he's hungry. I think he's still trying to prove himself as a star in this league. He, uh, in my mind, I've always liked him since he entered the league. I, even he, even his rookie year, he was a stud to me. I thought he showed out. when, he, when He's had a couple health scares here and there. Um, but I definitely think he's kind of locked in right now, um, especially with there not being too many distractions as far as this social injustice shit that's going on. But as far as being in the bubble, there's not really any place he can go. There's not a lot of distractions, you know, um, at grasp for him to, you know, go do or, you know, lose his focus on. So I think everybody's kind of locked in right now, and Jamal Murray is one of the most locked-in players in the bubble right now. He's putting up insane numbers. Um, so I think I definitely think he'll be locked and loaded and ready to go. And I think Denver even is because it's what is it two two right now? Yeah, two two. Okay, I think Denver takes this next yeah. game. I think it goes seven though. Oh, so nice. yeah. Well, no, hold on, because I think. Is I think it's three two now because Utah yeah. could have won the yeah, it was series. Three, one. That's right. And, right. and the Nuggets right. came alive at the very so it's end. Gonna, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think, so I think, it's three two. Yeah, I think Denver goes. Takes but I'm actually with game. you. I think it goes. I, I think it does go seven. It should games. go seven. Yeah. I'm with you on that. It's one of the even most evenly matched series. Who's advancing? I had Denver, man. I think Denver's the. I think Denver's the better team, and I could not believe that they went down three one. But if thought, Jamal Murray's playing like that, yeah. Well, and Jokic played. Great I don't know last how the Jazz too. can beat him. If Jokic is hitting his three like he was last game, that that's what that's what did it for the Nuggets, and if. Uh, 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 Porter Jr. Uh, can can play like we know he can because he he still seems timid. Yeah, I love that kid. His potential is and, out, and is Murray, insane. And if Murray plays like that, unlike Donovan, yeah, Donovan Mitchell, Donovan Mitchell doesn't really have that other guy that can drop thirty points. He's got Mike Connolly. Mike, Mike Connolly can Mike, do that. Mike Conley's a damn good player, but he's never been a guy that goes out there and gets you thirty to forty points. 
He's he's a very he's a very he's good a score facilitator. First point guard. He gets you twenty five points. I'll give him that. He can give you twenty five. But I'm I'm saying in a game seven, I'm going to trust Jamal Murray with Jokic. Yeah, he's not a Michael Porter Jr. He's not right. a Jokic. He's not a yeah. He's got when you got Michael Porter Jr. and Jokic who can go get yeah. you. 30 That's and my point. 30 there's, and there's more weapons on the Nuggets side offensively that I would trust. But Utah's defense is this. But Utah's defense. Yeah. I mean, I'm with Trevor though. I'm still because I did pick the Nuggets to yeah, win this. Tough. I'm going to stick with it. But the Utah Jazz have earned this, man. If they yeah. win this, I'm not going to be shocked. If the Nuggets so, come back from three one and win the series, that's insane, dude. Yeah. You, so you think it's like a fifty fifty for each team? I think it seems as evenly matched as any two teams in this in this in this bubble. I, no, I, I do think that the Jazz do have the edge here because they still because the Nuggets still have to win two more games. Yeah. So I think the Jazz are the team that should probably more likely now win this series because teams that go down three one usually lose the series almost every time. It really depends on the role, the role play. It depends on the role players of the, of the Jazz. If Ingles can hit his shots, Conley can give you 25-30, the series is over. Yeah, yeah. Really mean. And in all actuality, Game 5, that should have been the end. Yeah. yeah. The, the Jazz were whooping them for three quarters, and then the Nuggets decided, hey, let's play some ball. You know, let's help Jamal Murray out a little bit. <laughs> and in the same breath, and Michael, like I said, if Michael Porter Jr. hits that next stride and, and, and becomes that, you know, that has a consistent jump shot that's falling, because when his jump shot's falling, man, he is so... T- Scary. He's Durant-esque sometimes yes. if you watch his, the way he shoots the ball, with, you know, being 6'10", 6'11", shooting the ball that high. it's He's nearly impossible to stop when he's on his game. So if Denver can get all their guys clicking, I can see them winning this series too. And they should, honestly, never have been down 3-1. But all power to the Jazz, man. I got nothing but respect for him and Coach Snyder. It's, and let's, yeah, let's give Snyder some credit yeah. here, man, because I, I was the time... You can go back to our original prediction show just a few weeks ago. I said that I thought the Jazz were going to were going to yeah. stumble going into the bubble and into the playoffs because of the fact of what they dealt with, you know, with Gobert and Mid Donovan Mitchell having such issues. Yeah, off I, didn't, the court. I don't think we saw Donovan Mitchell going super saying on us, man. Uh, yeah, like, I didn't see this insane. dropping fifty-seven points and a loss in the first game. Like yeah. he just doesn't. He hasn't missed, man. Unreal, man. Long. Yeah. So I'm going to give the Jazz a lot of credit. I think it's all. I think it's due to Quinn Snyder keeping this team balanced. Yeah. All right. All right. Let's make the. All right. Now let's make the move to the NFL. With Let's the first question being, Cardinals made Bubba Baker uh, the highest paid safety in NFL history. Will Tyron Matthew beat that, or will he never? Or, or who do you think? Could beat that contract. Well, let's specify. Uh, I believe that uh, Baker's uh, uh, con- uh, contract is a per year uh, reason why he's the highest ever. I don't think it's like in total. It's incentives too. It's incentives and all that added. But regardless, I, I don't think. If, I think if Tyron Matthew was 24, 25 years old, I do think that that absolutely would happen. I think he's twenty eight now. I have a hard time believing, and he'll be. I think he'll be nearing thirty at the end of his contract with the Chiefs. I have a hard time believing that unless the Chiefs just front load the hell out of a short term deal, and I'm talking like eighteen to twenty million a year, that he could really keep that or, or surpass that contract. Because Bubba Baker's what I think twenty four years old right now. Yeah, he's three or four years in. Right? Yeah, so yeah. He, yeah, so he's so his time is a lot longer in the league. That's why the Cardinals could comfortably give him that. Yeah, I, I don't. don't yeah. I don't think I don't see that, but I absolutely see the Chiefs extending Tyron. After this season, after the 2020 season, I absolutely think he gets a two or three year deal uh, to finish his career in Kansas City. Yeah, I don't. I don't think Tyron's even going to. I'm not going to sit and try to speak for him, but I don't. In my personal opinion: I don't think he's going to try to demand money like that um, because, I, the, especially where he's at in his career, you know, he's already had two contracts in his career. I don't think his third contract is going to try to compete with a, a superstar, up and coming stud. Uh, early in his career that just got his first major contract in extension. So I don't think he's going to try to, you know, you can't compare the two because they're two different scenarios. Jamal Adams, I think, was the closest guy that was going to get anywhere near that kind of money, and he got he got fat pay. 
um, and all you know, all power to him. He deserves it. But most of the time, investing in a safety like that. But Buda Baker and Jamal Adams are guys that you can invest in like that because I do believe they are franchise players and they're rare breeds that you can, you can see on Buda's Buda Baker's stats. Man, he can play three different positions in elite level. If you got a guy that can go out there and do that, and and you know, safeties are becoming more prominent, I think, in today's game because a lot of them can play that slot corner position. A guy like Buddha and a guy like Jamal Adams, those guys can play slot, and they can sack the shit out of some quarterbacks and stuff some running backs in the back. They can play linebacker snaps as well. So, having guys like that, those two guys are the only two guys I think in my mind right now in the NFL that I would pay that kind of money to. So, I'm happy for Buddha, man. He well deserved, and I think I think uh, the Cardinals are a good bounce back candidate this year to. to to make, possibly make the playoffs. Ooh, ooh. You're giving your predictions early. Not yet. I just think they're a team to watch. Ahead of yourself, though, NFC is a tough, <laughs> tough division to make the playoffs <laughs> right now. It's deep, so we'll see. All right. Uh, let's stay with the safety position, and uh, obviously I think you guys know where I'm going with this. Uh, so the, Ra- the Ravens have made it official that they are going to move on from Earl Thomas. Either they're going to cut him or a possible trade if there's uh, suitors out there that, that are really wanting to trade for him. Right. Um, my question is, like, what do you guys think about the whole situation that got him released? And, like, what team do you think or expect to pick him up? Uh, a lot of people were saying Dallas Cowboys, but the Cowboys have came out and officially said that they are not looking to sign Earl Thomas. So, what, what, what do you, like... I want to hear your thoughts on that. Go Chiefs. <laughs> well, um, look, Earl Thomas is, I think, I think, needless to say, Earl Thomas has had a very rough offseason. Um, and we can get into the family aspect of this, or we can just keep it on the football <laughs> side, which I'm going to choose to I mean, do. He likes to keep it in the family and <laughs> Clearly. The football. Um, but on the football side of things, just from everything that we've heard uh, report-wise, uh, Earl's been nothing short of a shitty teammate. Um and, and, it, and what's, what makes matters worse is that he's not some young guy who's learning, you know, a, a, through harsh experience. He's not, the, you know, a young, you know, guy that just has an anger issue that he's going to have to grow out of. This is a 31-year-old safety who's played on a potential dynasty at one point in the Seahawks. Found a way to fuck that up. I mean, you can sit here and say that he had, you know, good points and things of that nature in Seattle. Well, I'm not sitting here saying Pete Carroll didn't do things wrong. The fact is he burned a bridge with a great franchise then ends up getting on a great, another great franchise, one of the most stable franchises in the entire NFL with John Harbaugh. Two great coaches. A budding superstar in Lamar Jackson. You know, he has, a, he has a golden opportunity here to be on a Super Bowl contending type of team. And then he finds a way to fuck that up. And from the reports, he's not only just fighting with teammates, he won't let the fights go. He's showing up to meetings late because he wanted to go get his car washed. I mean, there's so many. And these are just the stories we know of. So... To answer your question now about the next spot for, for Earl, it, it's it's hard for me to imagine he's going to land on a contender because now the contenders have seen him fuck it up twice in one offseason with, 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 or not one one team, well, not one offseason, but within a two-year time period, yep. he's fucked it up with two great franchises in both conferences, and that does matter because teams look at, oh, he was over there, let's bring him over here, maybe a good change of scenery. No, he's literally been from coast to coast, and he's found a way to fuck this up. And so I, I don't think he's going to land on a contender. The question that I, you didn't ask me, but I would have liked it if you asked me, was could I see him coming to the Chiefs? Could you see him coming to the Chiefs? Thank Let's you for asking that me that question, Eddie. Bonus question. It's a great bonus question. question. It's a great I question. actually I know it's a very unpopular opinion, but I would welcome Earl Thomas here, and the reason why is this. The Chiefs have all the leverage. Earl Thomas is still a very talented player, 
Juan Thornhill is going to be fine. But adding talent is never a bad thing. Do you need him? No. The Chiefs don't need him, but the Chiefs don't need a lot of things. That's why I, I get so frustrated. People, when I've, I've heard local radio ask that question, would you bring Earl Thomas in? No, because we don't need him. What do the Chiefs need? Do the Chiefs need Julio Jones? No. But if we could get him, would I bring him? Yes. We don't need a lot of players in the NFL. But if you can bring a guy in on a low-risk, potentially high-reward uh, uh, structured uh, contract, a one-year deal that's all incentive, and he could potentially bring you that type of talent, and if he fucks up again, you just send him on his way, and this team is just as strong as they were before you got him, why would I not agree to that? So if, if I'm the Chiefs and I can get that type of talent at the tail end of his career, knowing that he has one last opportunity to really prove his worth in this league on a contender, I would sign up for that. But, but in reality, I don't think he's going to land here in Kansas City. I, think, I don't think he's going to go to Dallas. I don't think he's going to go to any high-profile team. I think he's going to end up, end up his ass in, in Cincinnati or a team like that, go make himself a little bit of money before he ends up retiring. That's just how I see it as it currently stands. Yeah, I mean, I... Honestly, I don't know. I have no idea what this guy's gonna do. I think a lot of I think a lot of teams have looked at Antonio Brown's situation similar. I know he didn't have as many off the field issues as Antonio Brown because he just continues to you know rack up a list. Um, but being a bad teammate like that, not like you said, he not, he's not like a bad teammate like MJ was a bad teammate. He's not just hitting people. He's late to meetings. He doesn't know the plays. He's blowing plays in scrimmages and practices, and he's you know frustrating his coaches and. It definitely seems like Baltimore was looking for a reason to, to dump his ass. It definitely it felt like a bad breakup, like a bad relationship where they're like they're like looking for something. Like you went through, they went through his phone and found that he was cheating or something, and then they're like, "That's it, you're gone." Brother. You know what I mean? So that's what that's the vibe I got. So I think I think and Coach Harbaugh don't play, man. Um, so this is not a surprise to me. It just it sucks to see a guy as talented as him possibly waste his season because he doesn't get signed. It's a waste of season for a guy that could be making you know great money. Being one of the best at his position when he's out there and a joy to watch. He's going to make the Hall of Fame. Anybody who loves football and loves defense and loves watching solid safety play, Hall of Fame style soft safety play, loves watching Earl Thomas play, loves watching Earl Thomas crack. That dude is one of the hardest hitting safeties I've ever watched, and he's so fun to watch. It just sucks, man. It sucks these guys, you know, self sabotage. Uh, as far as him coming to the Chiefs, oh, let me see one more thing. I think I think actually a good destination for him would be Green Bay. Um, I would like to see him in Green Bay. Ooh. That would be a good spot for him, and I think he would learn him a lesson because he'd be playing some cold-ass weather, um, even though Baltimore does get pretty say. cold. <laughs> but either way, I would love to see him um, go, you know, kind of reprove himself, his, his, his character, and I think Green Bay is a definite destination that would need his services um, and, and, and skill level on the defense, defensive side because I think they're building a good defense as, as they were already last year, but a great safety thrown into that mix would be great, and I just want to see success for my guy Aaron Rodgers. Um, so all the help would be nice. So I think that's a good plan, a possible landing spot. If I'm being honest, um, they hate free agents up there. I know, but yes. I think I think I think that I just I, I just have a vibe. Um, he would he would he would make a good fit. Absolutely, no, I will say that. Um, yes. But as far as Kansas City, I'm against that. I don't want to see him in Kansas City. I would love his skill set. I would love his talent here. But like you said, we don't need him. And the whole Julio Jones thing, I get it. But Julio Jones doesn't bring the baggage that. That uh, a guy like Earl Thomas would bring, and I just don't want to. I don't want to corrupt anything in our locker room. We've already dealt with with issues with Chris Jones and the unknowns of Chris Jones and the drama, and now all that's taken care of. I don't want to invite any other issues into this. That can, I mean, I know we could cut bait and we have the leverage, but I just don't want to. I'd, I'd rather avoid it all the way instead of inviting it, 
causing a, having a risk of an issue and then having to deal with that issue midseason or whenever it occurs and then have to cut his ass and then have to rebounce and get, and get regain our focus again midseason if anything happens. I'd just rather avoid it at all costs. Play with the guys we have. We have the Super Bowl talented roster we already have. I want the consistency of that. I don't want to throw any kind of hiccups into our locker room on purpose. All so, right. I'm good. I'm going to throw this bonus question in there, uh, and then we'll get into the, the serious questions I got. Um, we're talking about the Ravens. Uh, you guys brought up uh, Harbaugh being a great coach. If the Ravens, once again for a third straight season, choke in the first game of the playoffs, can you see the Baltimore Ravens moving on from John Harbaugh? Yes. And the reason why is this. I, I, I know that they wouldn't. But could I see it? Yes, because of the pressure they now have with a superstar-style quarterback. Because they have decisions to make with his contract, and the question will arise, can John Harbaugh do it still? Can he win? Because you got to understand, guys, the league has changed. The AFC has changed. You don't have these three-headed monsters anymore like Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, and Ben Roethlisberger. You have this one... Peace in Patrick Mahomes that is going to run the AFC. So if you have a Lamar Jackson style quarterback, you convince yourself we're literally going to have to just get past that guy. We're not. Ha- we don't have this three-headed monster like I said anymore. We got to get to that guy. We got to make sure that we have the right coach to get past him and Andy Reid. John Harbaugh is the right man for Baltimore. Let's let's set the record straight. Dude's one of the best head coaches in the NFL. Hall of Fame co- co- head coach. Been consistent as hell. But if they choke for three straight years, it's only fair and it's only right that a team that stable has to even question, is it our headship? Is it our leadership? Because if it ain't him, then what is it? He's been the consistent piece through this all. and if they, cause, But we forget also that before Lamar Jackson, there was talk about John Harbaugh losing his job. That's why he ended up deciding to move from Flacco, who was at the end of his career anyway, to Lamar Jackson because the pressure was there. And I do believe if Lamar Jackson wouldn't have popped like he did to start his career, I don't know if John Harbaugh's still in Baltimore. The pressure is on. There's expectation in Baltimore. They have quickly become one of the 5 to 10, no, I'll just say it, one of the five most prestigious franchises in the NFL at this time, in this era. They're in the playoffs every single year. But John Harbaugh's got to get them back into the promised land. They haven't been there in almost nine seasons. It's been oh, eight seasons now. It'll be eight seasons this year. That's a long time. So it's hard to find a guy better than him, but the question will be there if and, if and when they choke in the playoffs again. Part of me wants to say yes, so that they, that chance is there, and it's likely if they do fail again in the, in the, in the playoffs. Because I can, we've seen it with the likes of Andy Reid in Philadelphia. A lot of people never, I mean, outside people in Philadelphia who wanted his ass gone, most people didn't think that that would happen to a guy with the biggest name as Andy Reid and as big of a, uh, uh, you know, name as far as the NFL goes as Andy Reid and coach coaching wise. So if that can happen, Andy Reid, uh, I don't think they've had. I mean, at least Andy Reid got him to the, you know, the, the Super Bowl with you know a guy like Donovan McNabb. Anyways, I'm not going to sit here and say that the the Ravens choked or John Harbaugh choked because Lamar Jackson is the one that's choked both times. He's the reason he lost those games. His defense was, was playing fairly well, kept him in. He just wasn't putting up points. He was fumbling the ball. He was not, honestly, he just wasn't playing the way he normally plays. He wasn't as aggressive, aggressive with his runs. He looked timid. And I was wrong because I remember last time we were talking about this going into the playoffs, I was telling Lance that Lamar Jackson was about to go off and they should be the team that we fear. And Lance was saying, no, 
Lamar is a, is a different person in the playoffs in a negative way, and he was correct. And Lamar and I watched the game when they lost to the Titans, and Lamar just did not look like a good leader. He's he's got to learn. So I'm putting that blame on Lamar because he's got to go out there and do it. I, I believe wholeheartedly in Harbaugh, and I think the, the Ravens are completely behind him with that. I think Harbaugh's proven it. If you can win a Super Bowl with, with Joe Flacco, you've proven it. I understand the AFC has changed. There's a lot more scrambling, and the defenses have to adapt. But you have the scrambling quarterback. But he, that scrambling quarterback, is the one that let you down twice. He's the choke artist right now. He has to fix that. If he can't fix Lamar and Lamar can't go out there and he can't have his quarterback prepared, that's, that's something we can discuss because Harbaugh's not getting through – to, to his quarterback, and his quarterback's not receiving well from that coach. That might be a dynamic once you have to choose from between the quarterback and the coach. The quarterback's going to win that debate. So if that comes down to that, I get it, but I don't believe Harbaugh's the reason they've lost these playoff games. I, I just I just don't. Uh, uh, Har- the, the, the three and a half years before Lamar Jackson did take over as the quarterback for the Ravens, these, these are the Ravens' records. 5-11, and 8-8, 9-7, 4-5. Ooh. So yeah, again, they had, they had trash quarterback play. Uh, fair enough. Yeah. I'm just saying though that, that John Harbaugh is a special teams head coach. The Ravens have been known for their defense, not their offense. And if they're still having records that mediocre slash bad, they haven't had good rosters. I'm, okay, my point though is that John Harbaugh has a lot of say with their personnel, and he's the one that made the decision to move to Lamar. That's what saved John's tenure. Is that he moved to Lamar? Then they ended up, I think, losing one more game for the rest of the season. But how did the season end? They choked. Mm. Then the next season, Lamar has an MVP season. They have the best record in the AFC. Choke in the in the, in the division round. It's not the first round; it's just the first game. Yeah. Point is, those are significant marks against him. You can't just ignore that and say, "Well, he has nothing to do with that." He is the leader of this team. Did we? Andy Reid's a better coach than John Harbaugh. I think we all can agree to that, right? For sure. Okay. Going into last year's going into last year's playoffs, what did we all talk about with Andy Reid? If Andy can't get this team to the Super Bowl, we have to in Kansas City discuss at least have the discussion: Is Andy the guy? I, so if Andy's going to be in that conversation, John absolutely has to be. John Harbaugh has to absolutely be in there. Yeah, for sure. All right, shit, almost got you triggered there. Almost, it was like it was like right <laughs> at the precipice. I heard that you know that voice change. You know? <laughs> all right, now we're gonna get into. Uh, uh, two deep questions I got for you guys. Uh, these are my final two questions. Um, I know we heard you, your your uh, opening monologue, but now I want to get Trevor's uh, opinions on this if he wants to uh, talk about it. But I want to hear your thoughts uh, on the protest made by multiple leagues, not just the NBA, multiple leagues in the United States due to the shooting of, uh, I believe it was Jake Blake. Hopefully I'm saying his name correctly. Um, uh, I want to hear your thoughts on that. Like, uh, this wasn't just the NBA. This was every single league. We're talking NHL, NFL, uh, uh, MLB, uh, NBA. Yeah. We're talking major leagues, WNBA. Uh, I want to hear your thoughts, Trevor. We we heard Lance. I don't know if he wants to, you know, talk about it again. But I want I want to hear your thoughts. Yeah, I mean, we're dealing with serious issues in this country, man, and. Um, some are choosing to speak on it, some are choosing to make a stand on it, and others are choosing to ignore it or speak out in opposition for some reason and act like it's not as big a deal as it is. When something happens, when there's a, when Kobe died, when, when there's loss, when, when ever things like this happen and at sporting events, what do, what do, what do we do a lot of times? We, we, before the national anthem or even sometimes after the national anthem, we do what? We have a moment of silence, Right? That in form is a sign of protest in a way 
that to me, all that's all that's happening these past couple of days with with the the postponing or the you know the games being you know boycotted. Boycotted, yeah. Thank you. Um, to me, that this is just an extension of a moment of silence, basically like a long moment of silence for everyone just to kind of stop. No entertainment for a while. Let me stop and 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 if, I'm just trying to put my my mind in the players. In the I'm putting myself in the players' minds. How could I go out there and entertain and play court jester for you when I'm sick to my stomach? When I, when let's be real, the majority of these players out there are African American players, and they're you know people they continue to wake up every day and go to their social media and see their people, regardless of these people's track records, regardless of you know if they're a good person or not, being attacked, being shot, being unlawfully murdered or attempted to be murdered unlawfully by the ones that are vowing to protect and serve these people. That's the difference. People get killed in the streets all the time by, by, by hoodlums. White, black, Mexican, Asian, doesn't matter. People kill each other in the streets. But there's a difference when you vow to protect people and you're the one taking the people's life unlawfully while you're wearing a badge and supposed to be the one doing the opposite of that. De-escalating, except, except these, uh, these situations are being escalated. So I fully understand, and I stand in unison with these players, with these owners, with these coaches, with these leagues that are deciding. And we've, let me be clear, we've never seen anything like this before, ever. This is the first time I've ever witnessed anything on this magnitude. And, it, and it's all because communication is so vital now. Communication is so easily accessible. People can go online and immediately have an opinion, good or bad, but they can be heard. Racist, non-racist, bigoted, non-bigoted. You can you can go and voice your opinion and be heard. That's what these players are simply doing. They want to be heard. They want to they want to make sure that you know that they're not out here just to entertain us. And that's all they are. That's all their identity is. They are a human being first. These black men and these black women are black men and women first. They've they've endured things in their life before they got to where they are. They didn't wake up and become a professional athlete. They didn't wake up and get in, in with a with a bank account with millions of do- multi millions of dollars in it. That just didn't happen overnight. These people worked. These people went through things. They didn't always have nice houses. They didn't always live in nice neighborhoods. They had to get there first. That's a process. A process of which they've gone through. A process of which they see every single day. These other people that are not able to have that. So, excuse them for trying to make a, a stand. For people that they understand because they've been in their shoes, but they these people weren't able to get to where they are. So they can excuse them for self-reflecting a little bit for the people that didn't get the opportunity that they had. That's how I see it. I see this as a long moment of silence for everyone. Because when I know when I'm watching basketball, I'm locked in. I'm thinking about basketball. But when I know basketball's not on, I can I, it gives me time to think about other things, right? So I think that's all they want us to do. They want people to sit at home. Or wherever they're at, wherever they're at, and not have the entertainment. Stop and think and sit inside yourself for a little bit. Meditate on it. Chew on it a little bit. Maybe possibly get people to actually rethink the way they're thinking about this situation. White, black, it doesn't matter. If you think you have a certain opinion about it, this will give you a longer period of time to rethink that opinion. Second guess, triple guess that opinion, and then come out and see where you're at again. I just think honestly, it's a, it's a it's a it's a form of protest for sure. It's much needed. Nonviolent, so you ain't got to worry about that, right? It's just them saying, snake, taking a stand and, 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 you know, using the stage that they have to, you know, like I said, 
give us a little more time to sit and chew on it and think about it. I know, I know I've done it. I know I've had a lot of time to sit and think about it. So if I can do it, it gives everyone else a chance to do it. And I think it's, I, I think it's only appropriate right now. And uh, I'm definitely looking forward to having sports back. But I think the, these past couple days were definitely necessary for this country. So, Well said. Lance, if you want to add anything to it or... I think, I think Trevor said it perfectly. I don't want to take away or try to add to what he said because he's 100% right. And, and, and everything I said at the beginning, I, I didn't really know if I was going to get through it. Um, it was it was very um, tough for me emotionally. Uh, and, I, and I meant it when I said at the beginning of the show that um, for the first time, we've been doing this now for a year and a half. Like, it's crazy how, how quick this has all flown by. Uh, we're almost at 80 episodes. And for the first time, and I really was like, do I do I have it in me to to make this, you know, into what I want it to be? Because we have standards here. I don't want to give people a half-assed attempt. I don't want to give people a shitty show. I mean, if if they still think it's shitty, then I can't do anything about that. But <laughs> it's bad. We'll just blame Gat for it. But no, I, I, in all reality, like I want to give people something authentic. I want to give them my full passion, my full heart, my full mind, each and every episode. And I do believe, and I can sleep at night knowing I do that every time we're here. I was really worried in myself, uh, even going into this morning when I woke up, am I going to be able to do that? And fortunately enough, I was able to, to garner up enough of that, and I do believe I'm giving you guys that. Uh, but it was very trying, very tough, because, I mean, you add it all up, and, and I don't suffer nearly anything close to what black Americans, Mexican-American, Native Americans suffer in this country each and every single day, knowing, I mean, we're seeing the stories from famous people about what they fear just going to their damn mailbox, like Vince Carter talked about earlier today. Um, imagine the people that aren't famous and don't have great neighborhoods to live in, uh, what they could tell you, the accounts they have. Um, now, I want to say one more thing, too. As far as like a lot of people that... I'll just use LeBron because he's obviously the biggest fruit to grab here. Um, there's been a lot of backlash about LeBron, what he's been speaking out about, how he's talked about you know living in fear, you know being a black man. A lot of things get misconstrued here, man. When 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 people like LeBron on the on the level of the pedestal that he's on, the stage that he's on to speak on, he's not just talking about himself. Do you not think this man has family? Do you not think this man has two sons and a black daughter? Do you not think this man has cousins that he doesn't see all the time that he could possibly worry about that are out there in the streets, that are out there living their normal day-to-day life? It's not just talking about himself. The picture is so much bigger here, and people just try to force the picture to be smaller, and they try to nitpick, and they try to victim blame for Christ's sake. That's the part that drives me the most sane. I don't want to turn this into a political show. I know that, but that's, that's that. when I've been seeing so much backlash on LeBron and these players that have been speaking out as if they're just talking about themselves. Yes, they have money. Yes, they have nice houses. Yes, they live in good neighborhoods. But the process of how they get there matters. And the family that they have that don't have that opportunity or don't live that way that they, that they care about are living their lives as black individuals in this, in this reality, in this country that we're living in. That's who they're worried about, not just themselves. I just want to make that very clear. All so. right. Uh, my final question. It's about a Hall of Fame player who played with the Bears. Uh, I want to hear your thoughts on the whole Brian Urlacher situation that went on, I, I believe it was yesterday, and how it, social media just went crazy with that. So I want to hear your thoughts on that. Um, to be honest with you, the, what Urlacher um, said in his, I believe it was on his uh, uh, Instagram story, um, based upon a podcast that has actually since been deleted by the guy that he actually jumped on the podcast with, 
that was one of the main reasons why I was really questioning because I, I didn't know if I was going to be able to answer a question like this without absolutely just losing my mind because that's how I felt when I read initially what Erlacher had stated. And, of course, I, I get majority of these stories and information off of uh, Twitter, and I had seen a friend of mine uh, screenshot the story because I didn't know about it at first. I don't follow Erlacher on anything, and now I'm definitely glad I didn't. Um, and for those that don't know what he stated, I, I can't say it verbatim. I actually, yes, I can. I'm pretty sure I still have it saved because it's um, something that I, I really can't believe anybody could, could believe or, or, or say with any type of conviction whatsoever. Um, but I do have it right here, I believe. Yeah, it says, uh, and this is from his Instagram story. Uh, Brett Favre played Monday Night Football game the day his dad died. Threw four touchdowns in the first half, was a legend for playing in the face of adversity. NBA players boycott the playoffs because a dude reaching for a knife wanted on a felony sex assault warrant was shot by police. I can't begin to tell you how fucking ignorant that statement is. To, to try and, and, and draw comparisons between, albeit, Brett Favre playing that night was, was amazing. I remember seeing that live. It was against the Raiders in Oakland. To know that he played that well, let alone played at all, when his father just died, is nothing short of amazing. It's one of the best stories uh, of the last 20 years in, in football. It was, it's, it's heroic to be able to overcome that and play as well as Brett did. Uh, that, that, is, that has nothing. There, there's no similarities in between NBA players deciding to stand for those that don't have a platform and a continual... Uh, uh, a repetitive injustice, repetitive racial profiling, repetitive uh, uh, oppression over an actual group of people. Not a single man who lost his father tragically. What Erlacher did in this moment was, was he told on himself. And it's so disappointing that a man who spent, I think, 14 years in the NFL, surrounded by countless black teammates and black coaches ironically went to the Super Bowl with a black head coach fellow players in the league across the board black players to be this willingly ignorant baffles me to no end I'm not going to sit here and attack Erlocker for having a, a certain loyalty to a to a, a political party or if he likes the president or whatever the case is that's not what I concern myself with what I concern myself with is somebody who is choosing to be that ignorant, to try and draw parallels and connect dots that are simply not there. That is where I have my problem with Erlacher and people that think and speak like he does. And again, the podcast that he was on that was voicing these opinions initially, the guy, I, I can't place the name and I apologize, I want to give credit to where credit is due. Uh, the guy has a minor following, like 3,500 followers on Twitter deleted the, the podcast, from what I saw, from his Twitter account, didn't tag or lacquer in anything. It basically looked like it never happened. That should make you wonder why he did that. Because what Urlacher said, again, you can have your opinions on Jacob Blake as a person. What you can't try to do is downplay somebody, an unarmed person, and I did say unarmed because he was unarmed, being shot in the back seven times by people who are paid to defuse situations, not elevate them. As we've already stated on the show numerous times. Brian Urlacher is tone deaf. Brian Urlacher is a fucking fool for what he said. 
I'm sure Trevor's got his thoughts, but I feel like I, I kept that as diplomatic as I possibly could because I have a lot more to say, and it would only go to a nasty place. I ain't trying to go there right now because Erlacher's not worth my fucking time. Brandon Erlacher was one of my favorite football players to watch. I loved watching that guy play football. Um, it sucks to see this. I, I For me, this takes me right back to Drew Brees' comment. Only thing I can hope is that he will eventually get out there and apologize and try to, you know, save face a little bit the way that Drew Brees did. Uh, it's just a disconnection, man. It's a disconnection. It's not even just about Jacob Blake. This isn't even about Jacob Blake. This isn't a isolated incident. This is not an isolated incident. This is not like a one-time thing and everyone's just outraged. This is a systemic continuance. This is something that's been going on for 400 years. Whether the measures of it happening and the, the amounts of it happening doesn't matter. This is a systemic thing that's, that's been bred in households. This is a mindset that's been bred in households and in law enforcement. And it's not just racism. This, the power is the biggest issue here. And black men and women tend to be the target more often than anyone else. And this happens. And a lot of people, like I said, like I said before earlier, a lot of people just like to act like it doesn't happen. And a lot of people get offended when, they, when you even bring it up because it's uncomfortable for them. This is Brian Erlacher showing his true colors and showing his uncomfortability to want to make a comparison about Brett Favre losing his dad. Where, where, how in any way is that even comparable? It's not. It's just it's, it's him reaching for something to compare a white guy doing something to black athletes protesting something. Oh, this white guy toughed it out when his dad died so these black athletes can't go out there and play because a black guy that is a, a, a criminal got shot in the back seven times by police as if that alone shouldn't make you put your own foot in your mouth when you say that shit out loud. I don't, I don't, I don't know what to say to these disconnected, tone-deaf people anymore, man. And it just so happens to be guys that have been successful, white guys that have made a lot of money and have been athletes and made a lot of money. I'm not saying he can't say it. Feel free to say it. I, like I said, I want you to have your opinions. Everybody can have that right now. But it's disconnected, man, and you owe it to yourself to reconnect yourself to the reality of people that are different than you. They're different than you. You have to understand that. That's the problem. No one wants to talk to these people, but they want to have an opinion about these people. Talk to them. Go call up LeBron. I'm pretty sure you can find a way to get a hold of him. You're an athlete. You're a Hall of Fame athlete. Pretty sure you can find a way to get his email or one, just one of these athletes that are out there playing right now. One of these NBA, WNBA players. One of these hockey players. Get a hold of somebody and sit down and talk to them before you make a stupid-ass opinion like that. It's, it's irresponsible, man. You have a stage. You're a big name. You're a legend. Have some more respect for your goddamn self. That's all I got to say about it, man. All right. That is it for me. I, I think I got triggered. I think you got me. <laughs> I got fucking triggered. I, I think you got both of us, yeah. so congrats on that, Eddie. I appreciate that, man. It's been a rough week, man. <laughs> needless, to, needless to say. Um, well, I want to take on more questions, and, and Eddie's all out, so you know what we're going to do? We're going to turn to our people. And that's you guys on the live stream, on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, podcast, all of it. The Monday Mailbag, man. This is our favorite segment of the week, of the nights. We appreciate everything you guys bring to us. What you guys are wanting to talk about in the world of sports, you bring it. And uh, these last few weeks have been nothing short of incredible. You guys have absolutely brought it. So I cannot wait to get what you guys have for us. So we'll get back to that after this.
Mail time. Mail time. The mail's here. I can't believe I get to sing this song. Here's the mail, it never fails. It makes me want to wag my tail. When it comes, I want to will. Back at it again on the Spoken Podcast for segment number four. I am your host, Lance Twidwell, here inside the KCPN studios with my guys, Trevor Twidwell. What's good? Eddie Ortiz. Yo. Yo, yo, yo. yo. <laughs> <laughs> what the hell is that? And, of course, Gad is here on the ones and twos, making this thing work, making this thing possible. We appreciate everybody that's been listening, that's been watching on the live stream. You guys are what keeps us going. You are the absolute bloodline, the blood life of what we do here. Thank you guys so much for being here. Uh, but it's time to actually go right back to you guys in the Monday mailbag. Each and every week, like I say, on Mondays, we like to drop a post and give you guys the platform and opportunity to basically take over the show for a certain amount of time. Uh, whatever questions, debate, discussions you guys have, let's bring it up, man. So, Eddie, let's not waste any more time. Let's get to the people. What do they got right, in the man. mailbag this week? Um, I was going to ask Gad and see if uh, our live audience had any questions for us at the moment. If, yes. if um, not, we can... We, we can... just have a lot of comments about Michael Jordan needed to take a bigger as role as possible and uh, going with both sides. Um, a lot of people agreeing with Urlacher uh, being just awful. They're just saying that he's awful. They're not agreeing that what he did was right. Um, and then we have a bunch of idiots saying blue lives matter in the chat. Yeah. So. Awesome. Well, as far as, 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 far as, the, as far as the MJ stuff is concerned, um, I, I was kind of hoping to get that with Darren, but we didn't really actually get there. Michael Jordan has been the MVP of everything that's happening right now in the bubble. And I'm not saying that facetiously. I'm not saying that in any other way other than just straight up saying it. What Michael has done is he's basically been the conduit between the owners, which is he is one, by the way, and the players. He's, he's actually been a guy who's been uh, uh, bringing them all together, getting the communication line. He's not even at the bubble. And furthermore, the Hornets, the team he owns, didn't even make it into the bubble. So he had really no vested interest at all because he could have sat back collecting his millions and billions and just watched this thing unfold. What What is it to him? And he decided to take initiative, go in there, create some language between these two, and, and within 24 hours, we had ourselves a solution. I don't know the whole details of it. I know the NBA and the NBA Players Association uh, brought together all their demands. Michael Jordan had everything to do with that. He teamed up with LeBron and all the other players to get this thing going. I can't give Michael Jordan enough praise and enough credit for what he's done. So I'm glad that was brought up on the on the live stream because that that is something I really wanted to tackle. And I'm so glad Michael did what he did because I don't I don't think this is happening right now. I don't think the bubble is still intact if it wasn't for Michael Jordan. Straight up. All right, now we're going with our man Donnie Donnie Couch. First question. Says, hey guys, and the two backbones of the show, Lance and Eddie. Thank you. <laughs> Fuck you. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Why don't you like Trev, man? Oh, hold on, hold on, okay. I'm still reading. Oh, okay. No, uh, fuck you yet. <laughs> some guy named Trevor. Oh, uh, fuck you. <laughs> Remove the fucking and then the fucking. And the yeah, re-enter the fucking. And, and get the overseer. There it is. Uh, there it is. That's accurate. That is accurate. Can we all agree that's accurate? Like, you know, we're. I don't know if we're the backbones or not. I don't know if Trevor's just a guy. We know that Gat's the overseer. Yeah, you're the father. He's the son. She's the Holy Spirit. <laughs> we got a deity in the house. I'm yes. Satan. I got cast out. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Trevor's Bill Maher. I'm Lucifer. I got cast out. <laughs> Trevor's Bill Maher. <laughs> All right. Interesting. We got a hypothetical here, guys. Can't uh, If you were the defensive coordinator for the Texans, what do you say to your team ahead of the Chiefs matchup? Is he goes on to say uh, that he would tell uh, his team pretty much, 
Hope he uh, throws a bad pass. <laughs> good fucking luck. I mean, at this point, yeah. I mean, you're already thin as it is on the on the Texans' defensive side. Um, I mean, obviously, you're going to get your team prepared as much as possible if you're worth your weight and you have the job that you have there as a DC. Yeah, but if you're being honest with yourself and real with yourself, you're hoping that the Chiefs just go out there and, and lay an egg. Because it's just like in basketball. Uh, we, we've seen great shooters like Clay, Clay Thompson, Steph Curry, and all these, Kevin Durant, all these guys. There's only so much defense you can play. You have to hope they miss. So when it comes to greatness like Patrick Mahomes, you just have to hope that he overthrows Kelsey or he underthrows Tyreek on a bomb or he, you know, he, he doesn't have the mental capacity that night. He's not focused as he normally is. Like, that's what you have to hope for at times. You just have to hope that your guy, your opposition, doesn't bring their A game. Because if they do, there's really nothing you're going to do to stop them. And I, I think that's where the league's at with the Chiefs offense is like, look, play your best, go out there and, 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 and fight the most Try you can, really hard. but don't be upset when they drop a 40-burger on you because that's more than likely what's going to take place. So, And I don't know what to say. If I was a DC, I'd probably just you know turn in my gun and badge and walk out, but... I'm going to imagine these guys are going to try to give some Al Pacino any given Sunday, like I showed you oh, earlier. Yeah. You know that one of those. That's the game I mentioned. The difference between win and lose, and they take the L. I think that's what's going to happen with the Texans. <laughs> um, what do you, what does he tell them? I, I think the the game plan would be to try to stop uh, one of the weapons. Either to try to you know bracket Tyreek or Travis Kelsey, like a pick your poison mentality. Yeah, yeah, I think I think that's your best bet. I, honestly, I think. Try your best to to throw us off our game a little bit because say you guessed the right player that was going to be the key you know the key target for that game because there's always a you know I mean there's always a guy that's going to be you know more likely targeted the most as far as the game plan goes offensively, um, but yeah I just think picking one guy like I said bracketing Travis Kelsey or or, or Sammy Watkins or, or Tyreek Hill they'll, they'll let him beat you over the top always have somebody deep have a spy on Travis Kelsey. Um, yeah, I mean, there, there's not much you can really say. Go try to play your best game. Try to get to Patrick Mahomes. You know, try to, but even if we forcing him out of the pocket, you know, that's scary in itself too because the guy's insane when he's on the run. Because um, then the play breaks down and then you're fucked because he's got to find somebody. Um, so, yeah, there, I don't know. Honestly, man, putting myself in the mind of a defensive coordinator going against Patrick Mahomes and this Andy Reid offense with these weapons, I just – I. I, I would just quit. I don't even know what I would say, man. There's not much you can Yeah, there's not. Yeah, just, I, the, me, personally, what I would do is just try to stop one of the weapons. Try to contain one of the weapons and let them beat you with the other 15. That's the, that, that's your only best bet. And then try to have, you know, try to bank on your quarterback outshining Mahomes. Putting up more points than Mahomes can. That's about it, all you got, man. And then me piggybacking off this question, do you think, like, the players have – or do you think the players believe in Bill O'Brien? Do you think they have his back? I think after what happened with DeAndre Hopkins, yeah. I, I really because even though the NFL isn't as star driven as the NBA, it is still dri- star driven. Uh, you know, we know who carries this league. It's it's Patrick Mahomes and JJ Watt and these other big time names. DeAndre Hopkins is a superstar wide receiver. In my opinion, he's the best receiver in the NFL, and the Texans had him. In his prime, he was looking to get paid, and you trade him for a bag of marbles and a whistle. Like, look, David Johnson was fine three years ago, four years ago. That that trade is not adequate, and and players know this. And and furthermore, the NFL shelf life is so short for players in their careers. 
And for these guys to be on the Texans knowing that they're not putting them in the best opportunity to win when you have a franchise quarterback and a top 10 quarterback in Deshaun Watson, arguably top five, and you're not giving him the best opportunity to win, the rest of the players know that and recognize that, and it pisses them off. I, I don't know how Bill O'Brien not only has one but two jobs yeah. in Houston. I don't get it. He's never proven himself. I mean, he he did a decent job in New England. How hard is it to do that with Bill with Bill Belichick and Tom Brady? Honestly, and there's a reason why Bill O'Brien has been the most successful to this point, the most successful assistant coach to leave New England yeah. as a coach, he, and he's not successful. Yeah. There's a reason for Jonathan that. Daniels, yeah. There's a reason for that. We can go down the list of failed coaches. Bill O'Brien is going to be one of them. And here's the biggest thing: he's going to hang two L's. Because he's not only going to be a failed coach, he's going to be a failed general manager. So, to answer your question, without question, these players recognize it, and I do not believe Bill O'Brien has his locker room. They might try to put a brave face like I was talking about with the defensive coordinator. At the end of the day, I don't think they have the confidence, just based on his track record and their la- their lack of success. Yeah, I agree. All right. Uh, second question, Donnie Couch. Uh, talks about... Uh, Mike Pinnell getting suspended two games instead of four. Like he wants to, like you know, like the impact on the Chiefs. You know, I, 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 most times I would say like, oh, this is a pretty big loss. Um, I don't mean to downplay it either, but because of the fact that the Chiefs are losing him in games, I don't think that they're absolutely going to need as much as they possibly can. I, I don't, I don't, I don't think it's as big of a loss as it, as it could have been. I think if it had been a four-game stretch, I think that would have really sucked for the Chiefs because he is such an important piece in the interior. And when you're going against Lamar Jackson and his mobility and their rush attack, you're going to need Mike Pinnell there because he's so good against the run. And he's very, very effective against quarterbacks that are mobile. So I think the Chiefs dodged a massive bullet with this one. And I I, I don't think that it's going to be as significant with only losing him for two games against teams. I think the Chiefs can very much beat without Mike Pinnell. Yeah, we almost went to the Super Bowl with possibly the league's worst defense a couple years back. So I think we'll survive two games without Mike Pinnell because I believe in the rest of this roster. And I believe there are pieces that we can use to fill in. Um, uh, so, yeah, I mean, it, it does suck having him for not having him for two weeks. But I think we'll blink and he'll be back on the field before we know it. And then we won't really notice too much. Maybe there's a gash run up the middle that he could have possibly stuffed and stopped. And we'll think, hmm, Mike could have been there. But, you know, that's a couple games. And we'll be, I think we'll be just fine. They could have won I, by 27 instead of we, 20. Yeah, we should have went 2-0 last year without uh, Patrick Mahomes at the helm. You know, we should have beat without Aaron Rodgers making the miraculous throw that he made in that game. Uh, we should have went 2-0 without Patrick Mahomes. So I believe in this coaching staff. I believe in this roster that we have. I, I, it does suck because I like I like Mike. And I think he's going to be a, a definite contributor this season as he was last year. So, it's not. It's not really a big worry of mine, honestly. All right. Um, next question, Donnie Couch again. Uh, could we see the Ravens defense take a large step back with the loss of Earl Thomas? Absolutely. Uh, not just because of his talent being missing, but because of the distraction he has caused. Um, we have to remember the Ravens are a. Their image is still being formed. Uh, I know that Lamar Jackson is the face, but Lamar Jackson himself is still proving his worth in this league. I know he won an MVP last season, but we all just discussed just 10, 15 minutes ago uh, in the Eddie Hour that we don't know what these Ravens really are at this point, and we have to ask a lot of questions if, in fact, they do the same thing again at the end of the season, which is choking the playoffs. 
Um, this defense is stacked. They have a very good defense, and I think that Patrick Queen is going to be an awesome player. I think I, he was he was one of my favorite guys coming out of this draft. But I think when things like this happen, especially when you've had so many unforeseen circumstances leading into this season, and you didn't have tr a legitimate training camp, you didn't have OTAs, you didn't get to meet up with your teammates and your t and your coaches like you normally would. I absolutely think this is going to be something that we could see the, the Ravens suffer at least for a few games. I, I believe in that coaching staff. I, I am somebody who believes in John Harbaugh. I am somebody who believes the Ravens are a good team and a good enough team to bounce back from something like this. I do think, though, it's going to take about a month at least. So it, it will be a loss, and I do believe that they're going to feel it. I don't know if it's going to be for the full season, though. I think they will be able to bounce back because they have enough talent. And like I said, their coaching staff is one of the best in the NFL, and I think they'll get their team to start focus and refocus and get their things back on schedule. Yeah, I mean, anytime you lose a, t a guy, the caliber of player that he is, it's going to affect. And then you, you, you factor in losing that caliber of talent on the field and, and the mental uh, shit that he put that team through. Um, so, yeah, those two things combined, it, it could have a, a, an impact, a negative impact for sure. But I, I do believe Harbaugh will get his guys ready and mentally prepared. I think it's probably for the best mentally for them, for him obviously to be gone. Um, so I think they'll bounce back just fine. I think they'll be okay, though. Like you said, the, the, deep, the depth of that roster. Um, I'm not sure the kid that's going to be filling in for him. I think they call him the Joker or something like that. He's, he's a talented young kid. I think they just drafted him, I think, last year. Um, so I think, I think they'll be okay. But, yeah, losing him, I mean, look, look what happened when he left Seattle. You know they had that pretty. I think their defensive rating plummeted about ten to twelve sp spots from what it was when he was there. So yeah, he's. I mean, having a, a leader out there at the safety position, you know, pretty much the quarterback of the defense, is huge. You know, losing a guy like that. So I definitely think it'll impact him, and I hope it impacts him just enough. Uh, so you know, whenever we face off, you know, it shows. So um, yeah, it'll definitely impact him negatively not having him out on the field for sure. All right. Uh, next question. So the, Timber, the Timberwolves have been shopping the first overall pick to teams, and one of the names that came up was Ben Simmons. Uh, how good would the Timberwolves be if they get Simmons, and would the 76ers accept the pick? Look, Ben Simmons is, a, is one hell of a defensive player, a one hell of a distributor. The, 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 the Timberwolves need somebody who can score next to Carl Anthony Towns. Well, they have D'Angelo Russell. Okay, but D'Angelo Russell's not a guy I rely on Oof, to score. I think he's Great score. My my point though is I think I think Ben Simmons would wouldn't be a negative uh, acquisition for the Timberwolves. My my thing though is with this, I think this draft is loaded with studs. I think if I'm the Timberwolves, I stay pat and I take the best player that can that I can build around because Ben's again. We now know what Ben Simmons is at least to this point. I think he's 24 years old now. Yeah, he's been in the league now five seasons. I think we have a a pretty tight grip of what Ben Simmons is. I don't know if he's enough to take the Timberwolves to the next level. And another thing I don't know is what these guys in this draft could do. So I want to take a guy who's five years younger, at least four or five years younger, that might have a better scoring capability. Doesn't have an injury risk. Exactly. Yeah. That's the, Thank you. Because yeah. that's the other part of Ben Simmons that you have to worry he about. To help Are you wanting to you know, put your future in the hands of a guy who's going to miss 24 games a year? I don't. I don't. I want to put my franchise in young, capable hands that I think I, I'm. I'm gonna. If I'm gonna take a risk, I'm gonna take a risk on a guy who hasn't proven me to be injury prone, as opposed to the guy who is. That's where I'm at. So if the Timberwolves do it, obviously we're gonna sit back and watch it and see what happens. For me though, I, I don't think that Ben Simmons at this current time of his career is worth a number one overall pick, or at least a, a top three to five pick 
in this draft, in my opinion. I just don't think he's worth that at this time. Yeah, I think I know there's been a lot of uh, connections between because obviously Carl Anthony Towns and uh, Devin Booker are boys. Right. Um, so there's been a, always, always there's always been a, the last couple of seasons there's been a lot of talk about Devin Booker trying to find a way to get to Minnesota to play, and I, that would be a show. You know, Carl Anthony Towns, Devin Booker, and D'Angelo Russell. That would be a squad right there. That'd be a nice three to build a team around. Uh, but I do like the, I do also like the the signing of Ben Simmons there. I think he they have no defensive players really uh, on that backcourt. So I did, he, you would bring an elite defender in the, in, you know uh, on the perimeter and Ben Simmons. So that would be that alone would be a good impact for that team. And then his ability obviously to facilitate and the size that he has to attack the rack because D'Angelo is a good shooter and a good mid range and three point guy. But he's not the best at getting to the rack all the time. And he's not a big guy. And then uh, I think he could be Carl Anthony Towns is pretty much Joel and be light. You know, he's a similar player, very versatile big man who can shoot the three, um, can Euro step and all that. So I, But having Carlton Towns and Ben Simmons, two guys that are injured often, that's not always a good thing either. So if I'm them, I'm trying to get ben, uh, Devin Booker because I, th- I think Devin Booker might possibly want out of Phoenix. I know the Phoenix has a good roster right now too, and they're, they're building a good young core over there, but I don't know. I just know because I've always heard the rumors and I've seen him like taking pictures on Instagram with the with the Minnesota jersey on. So there's always been that like little pull for him, and I wouldn't be surprised if they if they figure out a way to get him there, um, because you know players have a lot more power now, so they can figure out the way to get him there. But they need to sell the team to Kansas City, sign Devin Booker, <laughs> give me that show in Kansas City. That's what needs to happen. Nice, nice. All right, next question. Uh, Donnie Couch calls me out. <laughs> uh, Back. <laughs> Shit, Remove that fuck you. Fuck, now he's calling me out. I thought you were the backbone, Eddie. Tough luck, bitch. Man. Tough luck. Tough 15 uh, minutes. Yeah, I guess his his thing changed within like six questions. Um, <laughs> so uh, his, his last question is like, I hope Eddie sees it this time. Jeez. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Eddie just got new glasses, so I'm sure he's fine. <laughs> he went and got lens crafters. It said, "Who would you rather take a gut punch from for a million dollars, Mike uh, Prime Mike Tyson or Prime George uh, Foreman?" Look, man, if, if Prime Mike Tyson is ever in a scenario, I'm never taking that. Yeah. So door number two, probably, even though George Foreman was an absolute badass, and I think he only got knocked down once, and it was by Muhammad Ali, the greatest ever. Uh, I'm taking Foreman, and I'm taking him very comfortably because I'm not getting hit by no fucking Prime Mike Tyson. Yeah, same. I, I, <laughs> spare me Iron Mike. I'm yeah. Fine. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not going to pick either. <laughs> You're all mad at him, right? <laughs> he doesn't get an answer from me. All right. Next question. Brian Herbert. Uh, his question is, should Montrez Harrell have been suspended? Okay. Um, so this is something that I know is, is very touchy, and, and, I, and I get it. Because... Montrez decided to bring race into the equation when he called Luka Doncic a bitch-ass white boy. So I understand initially why people are like, hey, what the hell, man, that's not cool. Because it's not. It's not okay, it's not acceptable. Montrez Harrell should have never said it, and he did go and apologize to Luka, and I did appreciate Montrez doing that, whether he was told to or not. It's, it's a good show of acting, a good act of, of classmanship to, to go and do that. I do believe he should have been suspended for it. I will say that. Um, what I don't like about the conversation that, that came about it was when people started saying, well, if that would have been Luca coming at Montrez and saying the opposite of that, it would have blown up and, and, and everybody would have been talking about it. Because of course we would have. 
Because that's different. It is different. And, di- context and, and there is context. Look, guys, I know that some of you, and I'm not mad at you for not understanding because it's not like we're all born with understanding of everything. You have to learn things in life. So maybe this is an opportunity for you to do so. There is a significantly different historic context when it comes to white and black people being classified by their race in a derogatory way. Not saying it's right on either way. It's not. But we can't sit here with this outrage of justice for Luca asking for the same in return as if it would have been the other way around. Because it's not the same. Because white people predominantly in our country and in this world have not been treated the same way black people have. So you can't ask for the same type of outrage. Again, I'm not, I'm not trying to justify what Montrez did because it was fucking stupid. He shouldn't have said it. Whether you want to be on the side of dumbasses like Doug Gottlieb and say it's just trash talk, or you want to be on the side of whatever person's just waiting for a black person to mess up that they want to, you know, utilize this to crucify them. Whichever side you're on, hopefully you'll you'll meet me in the middle here and you'll understand the context of this and understand that it was wrong, but it's not even close to the same thing when it comes to historical context. I hope everybody understands that. Yeah, he definitely. It's unacceptable. We got it. We can't accept any any kind of racial discrimination. Not even necessarily that it was necessarily he was discriminating his race, but you can't throw racial remarks in there with common trash talk. If you would have just called him a bitch and asked something else, something something, that's different. But yeah, he he definitely should have been suspended. It shouldn't be accepted either way. It doesn't matter. Um, yeah, it just shouldn't have been done. Um, if anything, when I first saw it, I. I I didn't like it, obviously, but being someone who's played a lot of basketball in my life, and if if you okay, I grew up in a pretty dominantly black area. I played a lot of basketball with a lot of a lot of black dudes, and, and like in and out of the YMCA's and stuff. So whenever you're kind of getting in somebody's head and you're playing with nothing but with the black dudes, and you're a you're the sole white boy out there, and you do something, and you start getting under their skin, you know, sometimes they'll say something to you like that, but you just it is it is common trash like a lot of times in the streets, but when you when you're trying to when you're the NBA and you're trying to make a statement uh, about racial injustice and racial problems in general, you gotta you gotta draw the line. You gotta you gotta figure out where what can be said, who can say what to what. It just it's unacceptable, man. You know, so uh, common trash talk. If this is on the you know if this is at Rucker Park or something, it's not a you know professional league. There's no real you know, barriers of morality or ethics that should be talked about, you know, and, and if we weren't in the situation that we're in right now as a country, this obviously wouldn't be as touchy of a situation. But Luke is a good white dude. He's good. He's a good white dude. He's a good white basketball player, you know, and he, when he's playing good, you're going to get attention. And I, I look at it almost as a sign of respect from Montrez Harold because when you're getting in guys' heads like that, they you're going to get that. If this was, you know, Goran Dragic or some other some other white dude that's not a big star, he probably wouldn't. This wouldn't even be that big of a deal, honestly. They probably wouldn't. Probably wouldn't have got that said to him, you know. So I, I look at it as a big deal, as it should be a big deal. He should have been suspended, you know, maybe a game or two. Probably should have got fined as well, um, because I believe didn't Draymond Green get or he got suspended, but obviously that was for hitting LeBron. Mm-hmm. But didn't he get also fined for oh, yeah. saying bitch to LeBron? Oh, so yeah. I mean, things like that. You shouldn't be verbally assaulting people. You know, and, and, and digging at their race in any context of this league, any context of any professional sport, it's unacceptable. He should have, I, I, like you said, I, I, I'm glad that he came to Luca man to man because that's what should be done, especially amongst men in these sports, especially amongst, you know, 
professionals because that's the way professional thing to do. You need to own up to what you did, own up to that it was wrong, publicly address it. But I do think the authority from the top should have came down on top of it for sure. All right. Uh, next question again, Ryan Herbert. Sorry, Lance. This is, I guess this one's only for Trevor because he only mentions uh, Trevor's name. Where do you see Melo going? Where do you think the best fit is for Melo? For Melo? I'm assuming he means like after this season? Yeah. Okay. okay, I didn't know if he was talking about Melo, like LaMelo. Or um, Carmelo I don't know. If, I, don't know uh, I would say Carmelo. Probably Anthony. Carmelo. Okay. Um, Carmelo, man. Um, I don't know if he plays. I don't know if he plays after this year. I, Carmelo might because he was already looking like he was going to be done before he joined the Blazers. You know, so I don't know. I don't know if he wants to go through this again. I don't know if he wants to just become a family man full time and you know focus on that because he's getting up there. He's what thirty six, yeah. I believe. So uh, I would not be surprised. I think it's more likely that he hangs him up. You don't think he'll play the Olympics next season? I mean, why would he's he? the greatest Olympian ever? He's yeah, gonna yeah, play. Yeah. I mean, that that would make sense. But you don't have to be in the league to play in the Olympics. Yeah, it's exactly. true. You don't. Oh, it's true. You, yeah. you know what I mean? So I, I can see him doing that. I, I'm if I'm a betting man, I'm putting money that he retires from the NBA. Okay, I think he's done. But if I, if I was going to pick a spot for him to go to, he obviously wants to play for a contender. Otherwise, what's the point? You're not going to try to go get a ring. So why not join the you know, the Lakers or the Clippers or the Bucks? You know, any team that can use your shooting prowess because he's obviously still got it. He's looked great in the series so far against the Lakers, and he's looked good in the bubble. He's been good when he's played throughout the duration of the year. Um, I would like to see Carmelo continue playing, but I'm just I. My personal opinion, I think he's probably going to hang him up if you know he doesn't get another. What about what about uh, since he said Melo, we'll go with Lamelo. Lamelo, where would I like yeah. to see him go? I want to see Lamelo go to the Knicks, and I want to see Lamelo be the the guy for the Knicks because I think the Knicks. If, but I don't think he's going to be there unless the Knicks trade up because they got what the eighth spot. Yeah, the eighth. Yeah. So I, I don't. I do not see Lamelo dropping to the eighth. That's where I've been set. Uh, I haven't really gave it given it too much thought on where I think Lamelo will be a good fit at. Um, you think the Wolves will go get him for the with the first round? I don't think the Wolves want him because having Lamelo and D'Angelo, that's they're the same type of player. I just don't see that being an ideal spot because D'Angelo's still still young. I think he's twenty four, so D'Angelo's still a young guy who has promised to be better than he is already. Um, I want to see him at the Knicks though. I do want to see him with with that that Knicks roster. They have a, they're building a decent team over there. It's just the ownership's horrible, but I would I would like to see him be that face of that next up and coming if they can get the next the Knicks out of their grave. But I, w- I would like to see him go to New York and bring and, you know make another New York because uh, it's only good for the league. Like I said numerous times on the show, it's only good for the league if the Knicks are good yeah. or at least pushing for a eighth seed. You know, it's it's just that's such a I mean that's the biggest market. Unless, unless Lamelo can fire James Dolan as the owner of the Knicks, they're not going anywhere with. Yeah, him. I, that's that's <laughs> I know that's what sucks. But I, I just as an NBA fan, man, I'm dying to see the Knicks be a good competitive team. I want that so bad, just for the league in general. Uh-huh. We do have a correction. You screwed up Donnie's question. Uh-oh. He's very upset. <laughs> oh boy. Oh shit. He's watching you. Eddie. You're no longer backbone. How good are the Warriors going to be next year when they take James Wiseman with the second overall? Unbelievable. Donnie, we're gonna oh. ha- Donnie, we're gonna have to have a conversation after the show. Uh, we might have to replace uh, Mr. Yo 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 on the Monday mailbag. I'm just saying because we can't allow Donnie to be misrepresented here. No, it's okay. Well, so the question is about the Warriors and Weissman. Is that what he, is that what it was? Yeah, they're drafting Weissman. Well, I mean, once the Warriors get Stephen Clay back, I think they're going to be a contender again. And if you add to that with a young potential star in Weissman in particular. He singled out Weissman. 
Uh, yeah, I think he actually fits that team quite well. And, uh, yeah, I, I think the Warriors will be a 55-60 win team once again because, like I said, I think you're still going to get enough from Steph, Clay, Andrew Wiggins. Andrew, yeah, Andrew Wiggins is there. They might trade him. We don't know what, how they're going to handle I think that it's one. Good fit there. But, yeah, I mean, you, you have one of the better rosters in basketball, once again, with Steve Kerr, who I think is a damn good coach. Yeah, I'm with uh, you. Uh, you uh, I know the Trevor question. Uh, I don't know if you want, want to talk about Carmelo and LaMelo. See if- you know, yeah, with with Lamelo, it, it, it's a it's a crapshoot where he's going to end up. I, I do side with Trevor, though. I do think he's going to land in a big city, and it'll probably be New York. Uh, Melo, I, I don't think he's done. I, I think I think Melo really wants to continue playing basketball, and quite frankly, I think he's still good enough. He he's he's still getting yeah, fifteen points question. a game. Yeah. If you can get fifteen buckets as a role player, or fifteen points per game as a role player. It don't matter how old you are, and 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 plus the cachet comes with his name. You know that you're going to sell tickets with Carmelo oh, yeah. there. So I think he's going to have a job. Where um, I think Portland, in all actuality, if they keep Terry Stotts there as a head coach, which which is to, you know to be discussed, um, I think they would try to keep him for another season. Honestly, though, I think the Lakers. Yeah, that's what I said. That's, I, I Lakers really, or Clippers? Yeah, I think the, I think the Lakers make total sense. Um, he gets to finally play with LeBron James, one of his best friends. Would that be LeBron's last year on his contract? No, he has two more seasons okay, after okay, that. Okay. Um, well, no, it, it'll be two seasons going into next season. Okay, that would be okay. ideal for me as a fan. I would I, love to yeah, see that. Yeah, I think, I think Melo yeah. fits that team. I think that he'd be a good, you know, off the bench. He's going to have to come off the bench, though. He ain't going to start with the Lakers. Yeah, if he goes yeah, I mean, or, or, or the Clippers. I mean, Cruz could rotate that, that you know, that, that six-man type if he can spot. Give the, if he can give the Lakers or our contender 12 to 15 points a game, he's going to find himself a gig. I mean, we saw guys like Jamal Crawford play until he's 37, 38 years old in the league. Why? Because the dude can go out there and get buckets. Yeah. Same with Lou Williams. Dude's 33, 34 years old. Still goes out there and gets you buckets. If you can go out there and score in a, in a five to ten minute you know, little segment, you're going to get yourself a job. In the well, especially if he played on a, on a team with AD and LeBron where he could be the fifth, sixth option right. sometimes every night. Right, yeah, it's, right. Takes a lot of pressure off him for sure. All right. Uh, next question. Brian Herbert again. This is this is a really good question, actually. Uh, I'm gonna I'm hit like. Oh, great, this is a good question. In uh, a 40 yard dash, who wins and what would their time be? Lance versus Eddie. He says, <laughs> "Hold on." He says, "I think Lance Beer crosses the line first in a photo finish. He runs a six flat." Ooh, you give me a six. All right. You know what? I'll take the six because Lance, Lance, Lance is actually sneaky, sneaky quick though. Yeah, you, you, Eddie's fucked. I'm Lance, just going to clarify. Eddie's fucked. And we can actually get this on film one of these days. We can, I, we can do this. We don't need anybody I, dying on film. ACL tear. Yeah, let's do that. All right, yeah, let's, book, let's just book it. Let's just go ahead and book it. I'm going to run a 4-3. We'll, <laughs> we'll, have, we'll have recovery hydration there in the ambulance. We'll have, uh, we'll have we got to make sure there. there's a doctor present. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Resuscitate Eddie yeah, after he runs. John Stoner's Perfect. John Stoner's going to save the day. Him and his beautiful lady. Yes. We're doing this just to just to make this official. We'll go Facebook Live on the Spoken. We'll do this shit. Uh, just to answer the question though, if you're giving me a six flat, you're giving me fucking way too much credit because it's more like a sixteen flat. Um, <laughs> it, it, Trevor's giving me credit too, saying I'm sneaky fast. Yes, when when I was fast, that those days are gone. <laughs> but I'm gonna dust Eddie. I don't give a oh, fuck how slow I am. I'm dusting the fuck out of Eddie. Believe that. Oh, the no. beard's gonna be all. Can't up let in a white guy talk to you like that, Eddie. All up in that finish line. The, that beard's gonna go up on it. You're I, fucked. I let I, I can let him dream. You know? it, it <laughs> when hurt. dreams become reality, uh, it don't hurt. <laughs> oh, it gonna hurt. <laughs> <laughs> Your L's gonna hurt. 
All right. Uh, next question before we get into a fist fight. Uh, <laughs> Eddie's about to get pieced. <laughs> I'm triggered. <laughs> hey, look at me flipping it on Edward. You I know like what? That. I'm actually going to take that like back. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm going to go hard it. I'm going to go hard it. <laughs> All right, uh, next question, uh, Stephen York. Uh, who do you think is going to win the Stanley Cup and why? Who did uh, uh, Brian say the last time? It was the Predators, I think he said? I'm going with Predators. I don't even know if they're in the playoffs. Guys, we I don't follow the NHL. I, I, I have admitted well, that numerous times. Now I times. know uh, what your homework's going to be for Absolutely. Next, so, week's, next week episode, Len's going to give his uh, Stanley Cup prediction. Fair enough. I'll do that. In the meantime, I'm going with whoever Brian goes with. I'm going to say Herbert. the Kings. I think the Kings are going to take it. Then, uh, good, we'll take it. Not the Blues, apparently. That's no, <laughs> don't don't get Donnie triggered now. I know he's a Blues fan. <laughs> I like the Kings. All right, uh, last question from the Monday mailbag. The one Kings uh, team that's good. All right, <laughs> Stephen York again. Uh, he uh, he asked the last question. Have y'all turned in to check out the River River Ridgeon uh, Rastlin? <laughs> what are your thoughts on the shirt? If you have seen it, I don't know what that is. It's on KCPN on Tuesdays. So. No, the show, absolutely. Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah we yeah, watched yeah. the live stream on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm sorry, I don't. Uh, what's the what's his name that hosted? Uh, yeah, Joe Hunk. Joe Hunk, yeah, Joe Hunk is. Uh, I actually oh, am entertained yeah. by it. It's it's vi- it's a video game simulation, correct? Mm-hmm. And it's actually like this is the stuff that like saved quarantine because nobody had live sports, and this was like the wave of the future where you know you had like simulation races. Like I know you love F1, yeah. NASCAR. You know you have these people that are pertaining uh, uh, participating in that. Yeah. So every what is it every is that Tuesday night? Every Tuesday night we have uh, on KCPN. If you're a big wrestling fan, which I used to be a humongous wrestling fan, uh, Eddie, I know you're still a very loyal wrestling fan. Go and watch it. It's actually very entertaining. Like, I don't know any of the current wrestlers. I know AEW is really taken off. I know that's a, a big uh, league right now. I think the masterpiece is there now, or is, did he change his name? Uh, Not the masterpiece, but uh, the blonde haired dude. Um, he, he, uh, I know Chris Jerk was there. That's Chris Jerk, well, he's he's a, he's one of the greatest he's, ever. He's their main main face. Yeah, so like AEW is really. I see their commercials all the time when I'm Cody watching basketball Ro- games. Rhodes. So AEW is pretty much made from former former WWE uh, wrestlers. I want that shirt. <laughs> the lone wolf. That shirt. is badass. <laughs> so. There it is. No, that's I seriously love that shirt. Guys, go seriously. How do we? How do they find a Joe Hunt? Wrestling tee. We retweeted on KCPN. Perfect. Okay. okay, guys, that's that shirt's sick. Do they have all sizes? I'm assuming. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, we gotta. Yeah, I need the big boy size. That's yeah. <laughs> Give me an XXS. <laughs> Super skinny. Because I run a six flat according to Brian. <laughs> that would be incredible. <laughs> I don't know what would be more impressive if Eddie beat me in the race. Or if I actually ran a six flat, <laughs> like I really would. Like, we should run that as a poll. <laughs> right. But no, yeah, that that yes. Uh, if you're a wrestling fan out there, which I know there's still a lot of wrestling fans out there, guys, go hit that up seriously because that is I like, again. I'm not somebody who follows it. I'm entertained by it each and every week. So go follow that. All right. I don't know if there's any questions on the uh, live stream, but no, that is. Have you meltdown about the <laughs> Wingo, Eddie. It's my fault. You pissed off our most loyal listener. Whoa! I didn't God. say anything about Eddie Chow. You guys made that predictions about Predator. Eddie had to go take a piss test the other day. I'm gonna have him take another I'm one. All, I'm all about the blues. <laughs> this guy's high as hell. Man. All, we need to, you know, let's all, mandate that at KCPN. I'm all about the We're blues. All failing. Back to back, baby. <laughs> We're all failing. Run, that run time. it back. Like, what? Run Eddie's it back, blues. Run it back, blues. Eddie's starting it. Back, blues. 
I appreciate all the yeah. questions, uh, as always, each and every single week, man. You guys are the best, absolute best. We have the most loyal viewers, listeners. Uh, you guys make this fun, man, seriously. And um, on a normal basis, what we do is we have we finish off our show with uh, Hold This L, and I've not talked or spoken to either of these or any of these three people that are sitting here with me in this studio um, because I wanted it to be as authentic and organic as possible. Much like I started the show, I want to end it. Um, I don't want to make this such a downer episode because I, I, we want to have fun here. We want you guys to have some, some, some form of escape because that's what this is for us too. But at the end of the day, reality is reality. And in and, and my personal opinion, and I hope that my, my fellow, my, my crew here would, would agree with me on this, that it, I don't feel it would be in good taste if we're sitting here handing out L's in, in a week like this uh, of such sensitivity in our society and in the world of sports in particular, which is what we cover. Um, sure, we have our fun here and everything like that, but I want to end this show, like I said, with, with some awareness. I, I really hope, because I know that there are going to be people out there that will disagree with our stance here. And even amongst us, in our personal time, we have disagreements on things in our in our world and society, politics, things of that nature, even religion and things like that. But one thing that we do here is we respect each other, and and that is what our world needs more, more than anything. Because I don't believe I think it's I think it's human humanly impossible for everyone to agree on something like this. Because you're always going to have your people out there with biases and just do not understand and do not want to understand. That's something myself. And I know Trevor and a few other people are trying to understand, trying to accept, is you just can't change everyone's mind. And they have to come to that realization on their own. But at the end of the day, I hope that here at the Spoken Podcast and here on the Spoken Group and, and, and Twitter and everywhere else where we stream our show and we continue to host conversation, that we are willing to listen to those that are different than us, that grew up different than us, that live different lives. Because sports is what brings us all together. Otherwise, I would have never known who Donnie Couch was or Brian Herbert or anybody else that, that contributes to our show each and every week. I would have never known these people. And more than likely, we all have difference of opinions on a lot of different things. But that respect is there because we have a common bond. And I, and I hope that, and I don't want to lose any listeners. I don't want to lose any viewers. I, I would hate and it would, it would hurt me deeply to know that we lose you guys because of differences of opinion. But I have to, as, as, as the person who hosts the show each and every week, I have to be able to take a stand on certain things because I am sick and tired of seeing people in our world suffer simply because of the way they look. It's not acceptable, man. And if you can't agree to that, I, I don't know what to tell you. Because although we can disagree on a lot of things, that is something that I feel like should be at the base and at the core of each and every one of us, that that is unacceptable. Because I do agree. All lives do matter. But all lives cannot matter until all lives actually do matter. And that includes black, Latino, native, whatever other name you want to say that's not white. We all have to matter for that statement to be true. I genuinely love and care for all of you guys. And I appreciate all of you being here. <coughs> and I hope you stick around because we're not going anywhere. And we, we'd love to have you. We'd love to keep you. So I appreciate each and every one of you. Uh, obviously, I appreciate our guy, D uh, Darren Smith. I really hope you guys tune into his show on Sundays. The next two Sundays is going to be on in the middle of the day at noon. So you won't be doing shit anyway because football hasn't started yet. So follow our guy. Get on there. Guys, I'm telling you, he has incredible opinions on the sport, world of sports and in just the world in general. And um, 
we look forward to having you guys each and every single week, and we can't wait to talk more sports as this as the next week comes about. We're guys, next week is episode eighty, and we're predicting football. I mean, it, it, crazy to think that we are actually going to have our NFL twenty twenty NFL season prediction show. And guess what? For those that know, and I haven't said much, and I don't want to jinx it, we have our guy Ron the Show Hughley going to be joining us next week because. If anybody knows, he actually moved recently to Houston to cover Houston sports. And the Astros, I mean the Astros, aren't doing much right now. So the Texans <laughs> are the meal talk. ticket right now. And we are going to have our guy, Ron the Show Hughley, used to uh, uh, host out here in Kansas City. So he's got ties here in Kansas City. He's from Kansas City. He's, he's one of us. We're going to talk Chiefs and Texans. We'll find out if he's still one of us. We'll, <laughs> we'll find out real quick. And uh, when the Texans hold that L... We might have to have Ron come back on and, and, and talk about how that felt out all the way down there in Houston. But in the meantime, get ready for that, guys. Get ready for that show. I cannot wait. we got some great great guests lined up, but I, I want to keep it. The excitement is low. It's possible right now because I don't want to jinx anything. I hate when I do that. So in the meantime, for Trevor Woodwell, for Gat, for Eddie Ortiz, Mr. Yo-Yo-Yo, unless you have something you want to add, Eddie. Uh, I just want to say rest in peace to Black Panther who yeah. just died. Uh, of cancer. So, uh, Chadwick Boseman, 40, rest in peace. 40, rest 48? Easy. Was he 40? 40, 43. 43, yeah. Rest easy. Jesus, man. That's rough. Yeah, RIP, man. Yeah, we're going to have to collect our thoughts on that one, for sure. Oof. Yeah. Wow. Um, okay. Well, yeah, we're gonna. That's that's a yeah. That's a devastating one for sure, man. We'll we'll definitely be posting about that and talking about that on our in our private time, man. But I appreciate you bringing that up, Eddie, before we got off air. Um, yeah, he's a big sports guy too, so it's, you know. It's definitely I didn't even know he had cancer, to be honest. But that's. I guess he wanted to keep it private, you know. Yeah. Holy shit. Well, again, uh, we do appreciate every one of you guys for being here tonight, whether, like, again, it's on the live stream, you watch it on YouTube, you podcast. I know we have a lot of people that, that listen to this show religiously over the weekend to get them through their day. Man, that means a lot to know that, that our voices, our opinions matter enough to you to include us each and every week. We, we genuinely and humbly appreciate that. So, again, for Trevor Twidwell, for Gat, the one that makes this all possible, for Eddie Ortiz, Mr. Yo-Yo-Yo, who's going to lose in a race de- tomorrow, uh, and for all of you, I'm Lance Twidwell for Darren Smith. Uh, thank you guys so much. Episode 79 of the Spoken Podcast is done. We out of this bitch. Later. We all know that the only way to top the perfect cup of Dunkin' Cold Brew is with velvety new sweet cold foam from Dunkin'. But how do you top that? With an exclusive offer for DD Perks members. Get a medium chocolate stout cold brew with sweet cold foam, cold brew with sweet cold foam, or cold brew for $3. It's the perfect deal to top off the perfect top to the perfect cup of Dunkin' Cold Brew. Doesn't that sound great? Not a DD Perks member? Join today via the Duncan app. America runs on Duncan. Participation may vary. Limited time offer. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Oh, that's a cheer we used to do in softball. Uh, what? It's, uh, actually Geico. Whenever someone hit a triple, we would wave our bats and yell, 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. But we never got to use it because we would only hit home runs. Annoying. The phrase is from Geico because they help save people money. Geico? Yeah, they were our team sponsor. 
Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more.